Do you think that you and CM Punk could ever, like, have a combo again? Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feed you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big, the big guy, Ryback, starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy, Ryback. Today I got a freak of a human being with me. He is a world-class powerlifter, author of A Gift of Injury, he has squatted over 1,200 pounds, benched and deadlifted over 800 pounds. He's Brian Carroll 81 on Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the world's strongest human beings in existence, Brian Carroll. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. Oh, thank you for joining me. No problem, man. It's my pleasure. I always just keep the recording. Mark Bell, I actually got it from him. He, uh, I used to always do the open of the show whenever I'd have a guest. And uh, Mark, he suggested to me, he goes, you should just have the recording on when you call. He goes, your first beginning of the conversation, sometimes I'll get to talking to people early on before we start recording. And it's usually, it's the most laid back, best, best part of the show. It's the best part, yeah. Yeah, and then I get yeah. in and you turn it on and then it, like, and then it becomes the show. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to start doing that. And I've been doing it and I like it, so... Very cool. Very cool. It's good to meet you, man. You too. Where are you at? I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, man. I, li- I love it out there. I lived in um, Tampa for three years out there. and then uh, There's a big wrestling scene in Tampa from what I heard. I know that that's Hulk Hogan's yeah. home, you know, and he's from there. Um, I don't know what they call him anymore, but he's been around forever, as you know. Yeah, no, I actually, because uh, I was down there for Florida Championship Wrestling I was living in these apartments, and then I found out Hulk Hogan's childhood house was right across the street from where I was living. So I would drive over there and go drive by this little tiny house, and uh, it's cool. And now everything's all centered in Orlando with uh, the NXT program they have down there. Gotcha. And, and then I think what's his real name? It's uh, it's Bo, Bo Terry Balea. Balea, yeah, 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 Very man. Cool. He. Uh, I, I've met him on, on on several occasions. He's a super positive minded guy. Now he's been through a lot. Dude, it was public as hell, too. Yeah. I can't even imagine going through that. His son, manslaughter. His wife running around with a 20-year-old. You know, his body's all fucked up, obviously, like all of us are, right? Yeah. He's just much older. So it's wild, man. Yeah, no, he... uh, The injuries, I've seen him, too. And I remember when I was younger, I thought he was... Because I don't know how tall he he truly was, because back in his era, they kind of would fluff the numbers a little bit. Uh, Plus the boots, as you know, the yeah. boots make it Oh yeah, tall. those boots, man! You can get you can get a good two <laughs> inches on those things. I've seen yeah. a guy roll his ankle, almost break his ankle. He had the, one guy try to get three, and it was too much, and uh, he rolled his ankle. I was just like, man, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> no, no, you look huge on on TV. You look bigger, and in the uh, in the ring, you look bigger anyway, with all the lights and the oil and everything. Yeah, you know what I mean, but it's. Uh, I'm actually going down to. Um, to Columbia here. I leave Saturday for my final stem cell procedures. And Kevin Nash, who used to be Diesel in WWE, oh yeah, he's yeah. going down to this company, BioAccelerator, uh, reached out, and they're they're doing some of the WWE legends, the guys that are all beat up. I think they've been talking to Hogan, Flair, Mysterio, Kevin Nash. I think Razor Ramon, Scott Hall there, and they reached out to me, and I was man, I was so flattered because it's I'm, I've 
done 11 of them here, the procedures, and they're not as powerful. They're not, they don't, they don't let you go to the extent Columbia does. I, uh, you probably watched it too, the podcast with Mel Gibson and Joe Rogan. I so someone I've seen parts of it. I gotta go back and actually watch because I well, my watch buddy the was, whole thing. Watch the whole thing because okay. he, he ta- uh, Mel talks about his dad going to uh, Panama or somewhere. Yeah, Panama. And and he went uh, and his his whole body was was basically failing on him. His his liver, his heart, his kidneys, and he went and got some treatment. And he's ninety four and feeling better than he did in his sixties. Wow, that's what that's what Mel said. Mel's a yeah. little fucking crazy. So <laughs> who, who who knows, right? You got to be to make it to have that much success. I feel like to to some regard. But he, my buddy PJ Black, another wrestler, was telling me because he went to Mexico and got stem cells, which uh, and he was saying they were a lot more powerful than anything here in the states. But he was telling me about the Panama. I'm actually yep. connecting there yep. to go to Colombia here on Saturday and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're only allowed to use, from what I was told, here in the States, which I've got it covered, actually, the majority. I've had to pay quite a bit still, but through insurance, because my doctor is a wizard with that. But they use three to 8,000 stem cells, something in that range, where over there they're using between 40 and 60 million per body part, which is, and they're using the umbilical cord, which I've never gotten. I've just gotten the bone marrow over here. But I can say, like, in, in, I'm so much better than like I, if you two years ago, man, if we would have talked and I came across, I wanted to do, we'll get get to get into all this here. I came across a guy. I left WWE cause I was hurt and right. just, I internally was so fucked up and I, I didn't know what to do. Right. And I wanted to do my supplement line and all this other stuff. And then I, uh, all like, I thought my injuries would kind of calm down from leaving the road and it right. went the complete opposite way. And I turned into like a 95-year-old man because uh, when I was there, they were giving me Toradol and cortisone pretty regularly. Toradol is IV or injectable, isn't it? Injectable and oral. So they would re- nice. I would so on days I didn't feel like getting the injection in there. I would do the pills, but they, the pills were harder on you. They said. Yeah. So I, I more often than not would get the I'd usually do the injections for TV and the oral yeah. pills for live events, if that makes sense, because TV, you want to be a little more you don't want to be yeah. in any pain. So but it man, it covers up so much. And but I left and I, I started doing all these independent wrestling things. And my doctor, they didn't want me. I, they told me I needed a five disc fusion and a shoulder replacement. Right. And I just didn't know what I was just what the fuck yeah. am I going to do? I was 34, almost 35. And. I came across a guy named Andrew Locke on... Uh, yeah, Andrew, yeah. He opened my eyes to what kind of got me to... Well, he gave me these exercises, very similar to kind of what's in your book, A Gift for Injury. And it was the first thing that kind of... Like, I started doing them on shows, like in my hotel room, because yeah. I, I couldn't... I, man, I'd go to get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. And I'd have to, like, roll out of bed, and I'd fall to my knees. And the pain in the mornings for me is the hardest part still... Yeah. I still get that morning pain from sleeping, which now goes yeah. away very shortly. But, man, if you would have talked to me two, two and a half years ago, three years ago, it was – I didn't think there was any hope in the world. And really? Yeah. I, 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 dude, I thought I was – I'm very positive-minded person, but it's – I've dealt with injuries before and I'd overcome things. But back pain, it, this was entirely different. It completely mentally most crippling. When reading your book, it would just – it makes me not feel as crazy now going through yeah. a lot of the things. Cause like I part of you too, and getting into the, your book, you were talking about the staying inside, not wanting to go and do things. And 
And it's amazing. I look at myself because I'm constantly icing and doing things because mentally I'm not happy because I'm not healthy. So right. it's hard for me to kind of, because if I'm not working on trying to better myself right now, I'm wasting time. And, and it's kind of, it's a fucked up thing. But uh, like, man, it's, there's a lot I want to get into you with all this on this. But I first, for everybody listening with you, I kind of want to, with your background, world-class power lifter, one of the greatest. And just, I kind of, when I, I did my open, some of your accomplishments. But for you, your book, A Gift for Injury, when did, what got you into powerlifting, first of all? I think I want to, in, in, in what age did you get into that? And then I'll ask my second question. Okay. Hey, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. And obviously, I know who you are. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, so I, I followed I followed uh, WCW back in the day, WWF, yep. right? Yep. Uh, so yeah, of course, in the late 90s, we're the same age. You're 37, right? Yeah, that's so what 30, I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be 38 next Wednesday, actually. Oh, happy early birthday. Yeah, man. We're, we're, we're getting up there. But I think the, the early 80s kids are a little bit of a different breed, yeah. especially compared to the early 90s kids. It's a little bit different, right? Yeah. I know. It's, uh, when I saw you around the same age, I go, I'm probably going to get along with them pretty good, which I feel like I try to get along with everybody. But you can just tell sure. when you meet somebody how you can tell pretty quickly if it's somebody you're yeah. going to get along with or not. But Vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, because we came up too before social media and computers, and then we kind of grew up with it too a little bit, yeah. and uh, so I feel like we kind of were, were the last of kind of before that period, and of- Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, and embracing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so I was a big Goldberg fan in the late yeah. 90s, right? You know, Who was I have it? a picture, uh, yeah, exactly. I have a picture of myself at my second bench meet- uh, wearing a cutoff Goldberg shirt, of yeah. course, I, I found that the other day. But what got me into bench press competitions uh, in 1999, I was actually traveling with one of my friends to do a bench meet. He was an older guy, about eight years older, and he'd been competing for a while. So I went with him to help him, and then I, I saw the people in the competition in my weight class. At the time, I was 17, so it was a teen division. And even though I'd benched heavy on the Friday the day before – I decided to jump in the meet, and uh, I got second overall. Uh, there was this monster that benched close to 400 pounds yeah. uh, at, at 17. I wasn't going to beat him, but I benched, a, I benched about 350 or so my first meet at wow. about 185, 190. And uh, I had a little bit of a foray in bodybuilding for a few years where I competed. But the subjectivity of the sport yeah. is such that turns a lot of people off because, I mean, look at the Olympia last year. Do you follow – yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm right with you on that. I'm very, I, I have a very strong opinions about all this stuff and, and the whole thing and where I would like to see it go. But that's one of the reasons I always loved just working out as a kid. I liked watching it and seeing these guys growing up and whatnot. But that, for the same reason, it's very, it's like any very political and it's, I'm right with yeah, you on it's all wild. that. And, and I'm friends with Dexter Jackson. Yeah. Dexter and I actually had the same person which kind of leads me to the next part of, of how I got into powerlifting. A guy named Skip Sylvester got Dexter Jackson started yeah. a little bit before he got me started, and we both kind of went different pathways. So I've known Dexter for 20 years or so, and I'll catch him whenever he's in Jacks, but he's in L.A. a lot these yeah, days. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. He's a, Dude, he's 48, and he's, he's, he's going to place top three at this Olympia, I believe. He's probably Again. one of the greatest bodybuilders when you look at it from the length of his career and how competitive he's been. And how successful he's been from beginning to end. 
30, he's won about 30 pro shows, yeah. the most in IFBB history. More than Ronnie, more than Kevin Lavroni, more than Flex Wheeler, yeah. more than Dorian Yates. I mean, you name it, he's, 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 out, he's outplayed all those guys. Which is so really hard to have longevity in that, too, with everything. That's, that's a testament to, to him, his training and genetics, too, I believe. It, it's got to be, it can't be just one of those components. It's got to be all of them yeah. if you're going to be a 25 year, year pro like he is. Yeah. But anyway, so Skip got me started. And uh, I did bench meets, did bodybuilding, didn't really like it that much. So then I got into full power lifting in the early 2000s and did my first meet in 2003. And I did well. I, uh, and, and the bug bit me after that. And that was my complete life from 2001, 2002, all the way. I mean, I could pretty much say through now. It's still like I, I love powerlifting. Yeah. I sent you pictures earlier of my gym that I have in my that garage. Is, yeah. I got, I got dumbbells to 175 pounds. I got yeah. a rack in there, two minor lifts, two benches. I mean, everything you can think of. So that's kind of – it still is kind of my life, but I found a little bit more balance with the coaching, the speaking, and the teaching I do. One of them being the, uh, the back rehab that I help a lot of people with because you know a lot of people have back injuries. So Almost everyone. I found, yeah, I found myself a little bit more balanced these days, but I went, I went head first you know, about 20 years ago and – haven't really looked back since. Now I've slowed down a little bit. I'm not so impatient. Yeah. And I'm just kind of taking my time and letting my body heal. You know, I banged my shoulder up a little bit last year, so I've been rehabbing that. But that's kind of how I got started. I, I started in bench only. I drifted towards bodybuilding, and then I kind of came back to full power lifting with the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. What didn't you like about bodybuilding? That for you, like, cause it, like what, was it the subjectivity that you talked about or was the training? Did it – because – Obviously, being as strong as you are, it, it's just kind of a it goes hand in hand that you would migrate towards that. I guess is that, that that's you nailed it. You nailed it because even when I was uh, getting ready for a show, I was benching two twenty five for thirty reps. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was super strong, but my physique just wasn't it wasn't responding like my strength. Yeah. You know, I, I've I've learned that you know my central nervous system, my my tendons, my ligaments. I'm a pretty big bone dude. Yes, you, know you I mean? are. My wrists and everything, and my elbows. That isn't good for bodybuilding. That's white boy genetics, yeah, right? Yep. You're just going to be a, a big, bulky guy that's going to be strong, but you got to have a tight waist, big shoulders. Yeah. You know, and, and it just wasn't going to be. I, I saw where it was going, and I wasn't going to go anywhere with it. Plus, the biggest thing being the diet. The diet is just it's awful. Having to eat your chicken, your egg whites, your your you know the the powders and all that stuff over and over yeah. and over. I, I would rather get strong. Yeah, that's. Uh... Man, I deal with that now. Like I, I sit. I, I I've done a we talk about dieting all the time on this. I I can't get my weight now. I'm like between two eighty eight, two ninety, and all I eat is salads and vegetables and lean protein. <laughs> but I did yeah. intermittent fasting, man. For I talk about it all the time out here. I was doing. I, I always go whenever I do something. I go all in and I get really sure. into it. And that intermittent fasting, I got into it and I started at like twelve hour days and then went to sixteen, eighteen. Then before I knew it, I was doing 20, 20 hour days of no food, five days a week. And then I found out my days I was eating, I wasn't as hungry because I was going so long with not eating. And I actually felt really good. But what started happening is I wasn't getting the amount of calories that I needed in a four hour window. My right. metabolism started slowing down really quickly. And for really? the first time in my entire life, and I go, am I just getting old now? And like all this shit. Like, <laughs> and then I go, no. And I talk to some fitness people that I know. And they're like, you can't be doing that, doing an hour of cardio day and lifting for 
two fucking hours and then doing my rehab stuff. I was like, no fucking wonder. So I went back to eating normal and I'll do a prolonged fast, like 24 hours once a week for health benefits. And then I had this Dr. Berg on last week and he recommends doing like a 72 hour fast once a month or every other month to kind of for, for stem cell properties and different things. And I, I'm much more in tune with that as I've, I'm getting older now. Cause I was, man, just fucking WWE. I eat eight to 10 meals a day, morning to night. And it's just a whole different mindset. I think as you start getting older, but to you, to your point, you brought up something there. Is it because for me, I don't feel like my career was over. I don't have that satisfaction of the accomplishments I wanted to do yet. So for me, it's a different mindset. But when I was reading your book, when you first came across Stuart and, and were able to get back, though, were you satisfied at that point when you went back already? And then afterwards, you had that closure that you needed where now you're able to help others and, and kind of turn that competition gene off? I haven't been able to. That's probably why you see Ric Flair still making appearances. I can't you know do what I mean? it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that I, I can't turn it off. And yeah, the book, the book gift of injury ends with me saying, Hey, it's time to retire, present a good life to, uh, to my wife, Rhea, the whole yeah. nine. And ideally that's what Stu would want because, you know, in the, in the opening of the book, we talk about how he urged me to retire from lifting. My back was extremely fucked up. He said, if you're my son, I'd urge you to retire because you could have permanent serious injury or worse. He didn't want you to go back, right? That was, but he kind of knew, could see how you are. And that was kind of the happy medium, right? Yeah, and I went in that day with a completely open mind, except for the fact that I wanted to keep competing. I was going to take as much time as he said. I was going to do the things that he said, and I was going to, you know, act like a complete beginner when I went there. So that was the only thing I wouldn't budge on. And he goes, "Okay, let's get you out of pain first. First things first. Then come back in six months, and we'll see where you are." And he goes, "Who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe you end up writing a book about it." And wow. here we are writing a book about it six years later. So what were your injuries for our listeners out there that, that stopped you essentially from doing what you were doing? The, the main injuries uh, were uh, in-plate fractures at L4, in-plate uh, fractures at L5, and then a uh, basically the, the sacrum is almost split in half. So, that was the big one. And then the flattened disc at L4, L5, L5. There's no disc there. It's all black. And uh, so it was causing me a lot of pain, not just during the morning, um, not just later in the day, but just doing anything, trying to have sex, trying to lift, trying to, you know, walk to the coffee pot in the morning, getting out of bed was just terrible. So I was at a breaking point with it. Did you get to have the nerve problems too? Did you have Mm -hmm. down the leg, like fire ants on my feet, on my shins, on my quads, my glute? Yep. That was the alarm for me that I knew I had to, because I ignored it there for initially and the waking up, I don't because you that I can't exp- express to people. I couldn't eat, lie down and play on the with my dogs on the ground. It was uh, it was I've never I don't know what I can't explain it to people. But I started getting I'll never forget it. I was in the the LVAC at the gym and I was stretching. And that's the other thing I want to talk to you about all that too. But I was stretching like crazy. And I remember all of a sudden I started getting my right leg was numb. And I go what the what the fuck is going on? And I'm slapping my leg and I can't feel it. And I'd never, I hadn't had this yet. And, but I'd felt like nerve stuff kind of happening in my back a little bit. And it kind of started gradually. And I just really was like, oh, it's just because of the inflammation. It'll go away. It'll go away. It always goes away. And then my leg for about three months was full blown, just 
couldn't feel a thing. And, yeah. uh, and it started atrophying, and I noticed it, like, started uh, getting soft, like, compared to my left leg. And I, it was, like, jelly almost. I'm, like, flexing mm-hmm. it, and it's still – and I go, what is going on? This is – so that's what opened my eyes to – from a neurological standpoint that I got to do something or look – and it, it's scary. Yeah, the back pain is not something that people are just going to power through. No. If you continue to push, if you're if you're still wrestling, if you're still fighting, if you're still lifting heavy – you're not going to beat it. It's just going to perpetually get worse. And the key to all of this is, is a very simple key, um, but it's complex finding it. The key is removing the cause of the pain and building pain-free capacity and then moving forward with your sport when you're ready. Not when you want to be ready, but yeah. when your body is actually ready. Now That's the key. With you too, and you said you have no disc in your L4 and L5. Yep. Are you? How are you today right now pain-wise? or ha- does it does it inhibit you at all? Does it restrict you? No, and you know we talked a little bit earlier how ideally I would have just walked away in the sunset, but I I'm still going to compete next year. Are you, you know, really? Right? Yeah, I'm still still lifting. Especially you know I was kind of kidding myself at the beginning of this year when I had my gym you know put together that I'm not going to compete when I have that in my garage. It's kind of it was kind of ridiculous idea saying oh I'm done I'm not done. Especially not you build a gym at home too. Like, I got a gym out. I got the same thing with all the dumbbells machine squat rack and that's what uh when you build something at your house like that it's <laughs> yeah so that was that that kind of sealed the deal for me but um yeah it, it's uh it's one of those things that literally my back has not bothered me in the last six years i had one flare-up a year after i saw dr mcgill yep and it was because i was too heavy and fat really that's what it came to yeah We'd, we'd, we'd done a really good program. I went to a meet and my back got a little tight, so I shut it down, uh, which was hard to do, but it was a, it was a hard one really? lesson to, to, you don't know everything. So what we had to do is build a little bit more capacity, get more creative, uh, strip a little bit of body weight off about 10%. And then I was uh, good and I've been good since. So I haven't had a single flare up in five years. Um, that's incredible. and if you count the, the meat one being a flare up, that's five years. Otherwise it's six years. And the biggest thing that when I have people come in from all over the world to come work with me with their lower backs or they email me or they Instagram me, you have to move well every day. Yeah. It's not, it's not just about what you're doing in the gym. There's 168 hours in a week. How many hours are we training at our best? Yeah. 30, maybe 20. I don't know. People are different. But what are you doing the other 140 plus hours a week? Are you moving well? Are you putting deposits in your bank account? Deposits so you can yep. withdraw when you want to fight, when you want to wrestle, when you want to power lift, when you want to bodybuild. If you're just withdrawing at all times, eventually you're going to be uh, physically bankrupt. And then that's when the bad shit starts happening. The depression. You know, the pe- sponsors. Sponsors aren't going to work with you if you're hurt or oh. you're dinged up. You know, the money starts. Everything just kind of spirals out of control. So it's so important for the listeners out there that are suffering back pain to remove the cause and stop doing those silly stretches and, and bending all the time. Dude, that's another, it's funny. You, you brought up a good point and I've realized and it's like a black hole, but the more, and I, I'm reading all the time and listening to audiobooks and trying to learn and put myself around people that know much more than me. Cause I think the more you learn and the more you realize, or you start learning and knowing the more you realize you don't, how much you don't really know. And it's, that's the key to learning in life is just being open to learning and letting your ego go, I find, is when you truly start having success. And the most successful people are able to do that, I find. 
it's scary. You know, the more I learn about the back, the more I realize I don't know anything about the rest of the body. Yeah. You know, because that's been my focus the last six years. I know a good – I'm not great, but I, I know a lot, and I've had the, the – I've been very fortunate in the opportunity to work alongside Dr. McGill and teach seminars with him. And, you know, he comes down a couple of times a year. So I've, I've had some good uh, tutoring for sure. But there's still so much to learn because it's a craft. It's something that you're constantly honing and developing your senses, your questions, your movement watching. There's so many things that go into it that it takes a long time to be really savvy, to be a really savvy black, a back clinician. But I think, too, it's a good thing because you have – especially for when you, you inter, come across people that are suffering from back pain because I feel like you kind of got the best of both worlds. You've been there. You've experienced it you, from that competitive standpoint, from from living through that pain. You could connect with somebody and recognize that. But you also, you, you may not be a Stuart McGill at, as far as what, you know, but you're, you have so much knowledge that to them, they don't know the difference. Where right. it, and, but you could connect on a much better level because you've actually been through it so that's an amazing thing that you're able to do that and offer these people this kind of help because it's, like you said, it's, it's a very depressing, depressing thing. And I, I was reading too, like back pain is, is the, the depression that it causes is, is a very real problem. And like it snowballs because yeah. when, and I know for me and it's, you stop moving of it because you, you get scared because things are hurting. And you brought up a good point where I was getting at with this was the stretching because that's one of the things where I started noticing it got worse in WWE is when I started stretching more. And I never mm -hmm. put it together till I was reading your book. And I just, I honestly, I've stopped <laughs> stretching the last two weeks outside Good. of a little bit of growing stuff and yeah, whatnot. But yeah. I, I got a real problem where I would always touch my toes. And this started in WWE. I, was, it was, I got it from DDP Yoga where you would traction your back. And yeah. I, would, I would pop my back longwise and get mm -hmm. traction. And I noticed it started making it worse, but I got addicted to that because it would give me temporary relief. Exactly. And it was creating more problems. And then I would stretch and touch my toes with my back rounded, and I would get that same pop, 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 pop. Yeah. And, I'm, man, it, and I'm reading your book, and I go, holy shit. I was probably making this way worse than it even because I was losing that stability in, my, in the mm -hmm. muscles and everything. Is that something is that a common mistake with people that they think they got to start stretching? So here's here's what you have to uh, consider: What are the demands of the athlete? Are they a ballerina? Are they a gymnast? Or are they a powerlifter? Yeah. Stu's one of Stu's big talking points is you have to tune the body for the demands of the sport. For you, when do you ever need to touch your toes in sport? When you need that much? If you need some. Maybe you, maybe you need to incorporate it at times, but not while rehabbing your back, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you need to be an athlete when you're wrestling. I get that more, more so than a powerlifter. But it's, it's nearly impossible except for the outliers to have extreme flexibility and extreme stiffness because they contradict each other. Yeah. So, so you can't train a gymnast to be a powerlifter and expect that spine. You need to tune it to be very flexible or very stiff. And if you're doing both things, then you're, you're basically picking the scab. And so if you have an injury that's a bending injury, like a very common L4, L5, L5S1 herniated disc that's typically caused from bending and, and not necessarily doing the things that you think. Uh, it's very common for people to drop their pin in their cubicle and they go down to pick it up and they might sneeze and yep. then boom, their, their disc is you know, blown apart. And then you know they got 
stuff radiating down their leg and then they got to take time off from work. Um, so it's not just the heavy things. You know why that is? Because we're not conscientious. When you're getting ready to pick up a 600 pound deadlift, you're stiff. Yeah. You're locked in, you're focused. When you're picking up the dog food to fill the bowls up, you're just thinking about, Oh, I'm going to go get me a sandwich or what I'm doing next or what daydreaming, you know, yeah. nope. everything needs to be mindful, mindful. It messed me up reading that because I realized uh, just I, I cause I'm very I was like, well, no, for wrestling, I thought I was doing myself a service by stretching and being flexible to. But I, when you break it down like that, I didn't. There's nothing I'm doing that needed. I need to be strong for what. No, even if I was a technical wrestler, I don't need to be flexible. There's not right. I, I'm, I'm flexible as it is already enough where I'm not stiff, where I can I could do. It's not going to. Stretching isn't going to help me perform any better, but I thought it was preventing it because that's what you're you're taught or you hear. And but it makes so much sense. And when your book, it really made me angry for me looking back at my <laughs> life because I've realized some of the, so many mistakes I made. I lifted for so many years, Brian. I didn't, and you call it filling the tank with a stiff ridge, putting the air in the body. I never, I never even heard of that. I didn't. I was just, I would pick shit up and just lift. I was squatting. Five six hundred pounds with nothing in, just regular, and I'm just like, what? A, I feel so stupid, but I never learned that. And I'm reading that. Did you make those same mistakes early on too? Just kind of because you were strong and you just—that's just what you did. Absolutely, I did, and, and I did a lot of dumb shit even when I knew better. Just because, you know, you know how it gets. You think you're Superman. Yeah. You can do whatever. You can show off. You can do things. Strength can mess. And with I paid you. dearly. Yeah, I, t- I I paid dearly a couple different times. One time I blew my shoulder and my pec apart, you know, trying to, to be a, you know, a hero in the gym one day. But I, I've learned a, a lot of lessons the hard way. And you know what? But you know, we see these people that are older than us and we look at them like, say, Stu McGill. Stu McGill's in his, in his early 60s. And you're like, dude, that guy has it all together. You know, he's got a great life. He's got a great practice. But what you don't see is all the mistakes that he may have made, the hard lessons, the failures. So we see some people in a certain light that isn't realistic. Yeah, There's been a lot of things that had to happen for them to get there. So uh, I've felt like that many a times, but something I've been working on more so is just letting things go. Just learning to say that was dumb as shit, but you know what? I'm not perfect. And you know what? At least I didn't kill somebody. Yep. Or or something or run someone over or something. You have an opportunity to learn from it and you're not not doesn't ruin the rest of your life if you don't want it to. But it's easy to let that have a chip on your shoulder and make you angry. I've done it. And and pissed. Yeah, because uh, you need an edge. You need an edge when you're lifting big weight. You have to have that internal fire, that nastiness. You don't see the world class lifters that I lift with smiling when they're under the bar. That shit's going to crush you. If you have just a little bit of softness in your body, so you got to go to a very dark place. And the problem is, and I'm sure you know a lot of people that have this problem, they can't turn it off when they're supposed to relax. They can't turn, they can't just say, they can't just smoke a joint or have a drink and just say, okay, I don't need to think about wrestling. I don't need to think about lifting. Let's just talk about what's going on in life. Let me enjoy my life, the money that I've made, the things that I've been able to accomplish and not focus on the shit that you're mad about that you missed out on. You bring up a great point. It's something I, man, with me, was it two years ago when I started the stem cell procedures, I had to shut everything off. 
and uh, I was doing like I was doing my boxing, my Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu. I was just I was just going red, just in the red constantly with my business, my supplement line, the podcast. Go 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 go. But physically, my doctor had told me he goes, "You got to stop." He said, and I so. I had to make a conscious decision because what you're talking about, I think, is that hunger. You got to create a hunger in you, and it's like we see it with fighters and things. Like, and you make some money, and when you get, you know, you have something to fall back on. It's really easy to get a little softer because you all of a sudden you're not fighting for your life before. So, but you got to create something if you don't. If you, we've seen that with some of the greats are able to do that, they're able to create that hunger, that story on their own, which can be when you can do that, you have that powerful mind where you can control it. I think for me that scared me because I know I knew I had to shut it off, and I and deep down I knew I was like I know I could fucking turn this back on if I when I when I'm ready, but I have to be healthy to turn this back on. If I don't, I got a glimpse into old age and a, a bad quality of life very early on, and it scared the fuck out of me to to where I was like I never want to I never want to feel this way. I don't want to I don't want to make stupid choices now, even for all the fame and the money it. And have this rest of my life be like this because it won't be worth it. I won't be. I won't be good for anybody, myself and family and friends and loved ones. And because it, it's a miserable fucking feeling, and that for me, I'm. I see the light at the end of the tunnel now because I finally feel good. I've been blessed to meet some great people through this that have helped me tremendously. Yeah. So it's but it's it's hard. I think to sometimes to shut it off, and I still I stress over things all the time. I think that's just. When you're competitive like that, that's why I don't. That's why I was asking you when, how are you with that? Like, do you think you're ever going to be able to fully, fully just turn it off? I, uh, it's just something that comes with the type A personalities. If you're if you're a passive guy and you're not a leader and you're okay with second place, then that's just not a fight you're really going to have to ever fight within yourself. But if you're a type A, a leader, uh, an alpha male, then that's the demons that we face. And it's being able to turn it off and, and be kind to our significant other, yeah. you know, be open to what's going on. You know, the life, life doesn't always revolve around us yep. and, and the things that we're, we're going after. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. And you, you brought up a great point about uh, I could bring up an example about Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the fighters when they when they're poor, they're fighting for their 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 mortgage money. Um, a lot of people seem to think that Connor got fat and happy after that huge boxing contract that he got the hundred million dollars or whatever he's, he was partying. He's a playboy. He's doing all these things and he comes back and he doesn't look good. And now people are kind of forgetting about him a little bit because his last big fight that he had that he won was almost three years ago. And when Connor was on, he was knocking everyone out. He was in their head. I mean, he, he had the magical left hand, but it seems like. He's lost a little bit of that spark. We'll have to see, depending on who they they yeah. set him up to fight. But it happens to people. You get complacent, you get a little bit more happy and relaxed, and next thing you know, your game starts to slip a little way. And to, this is what scares me, Brian. Even for me, but I I know how. For me, I don't. I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. What I set out for. So that that to me, for me, I know. I like it's. I know I could. It's. I'm not worried. But at the same time, like someone like that, he's. I started my supplement line, my podcast. These are all things I want to continue doing. I'm very passionate about now. And that scares me on that end time-wise because I know how much time and commitment that took before for me to do that. But I've always been good at restructuring and rebalancing. And you hire – I've learned as things grow, you hire out and you maximize your time to what you can. But I – to my point with him is 
when you start doing these other business ventures, you have to be very hands-on early on in it to, for it yep. to be successful, I feel like, which he's been, which is why yep. I think it's doing really well. So I think if he, the guy's a fucking champion. I think if he's able yeah. to have that, all those duties delegated, the responsibility-wise to other people, and he could just focus on fighting, I think yep. he, he can, and in that game, anybody could win any given time. But if he can devote that time that he did before, because yeah. he's still trained, he's still going at it, but it's, oh, yeah. at that, it's like anything, though, when you're comp- competing at the highest level, you have the hunger. You have people that are fucking starving. That it's yep. everything, and we saw it with the the, the Tyrone Woodley fight when he fought yep. Usman. That guy Usman smashed him. Usman, you could just feel the hunger out of that guy. And Woodley had had all these successful fights, and that guy is unbelievable. But you yeah. you could feel the energy radiating radiating off of him. When I could at least watching it, I was like, this guy's unstoppable. He wants this so bad that. When you come from that and turning it back on, you might be able to turn it back on, but are you going to be able to get it to that level? Because every inch counts at that at that at that level, you know. It does, and it reminds me of Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva in 2013, the first time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Weidman was a, a a boy from Long Island that grew up fighting. He's a he's a blue collar kid, you know, blue collar family, and uh, you know Anderson Silva's on a streak of seven years basically just untouchable, undefeated. But you know what? He was so good that he wanted to start giving people a chance to beat him. He started sticking his chin forward. He started dancing. And Weidman caught him when he was sticking his chin out like that. He was acting like the – yeah, so then he got knocked out. So I think that um, sometimes people get a little bit bored. The success goes to their head. um, And they get distracted. Like when you have all these things go – I mean, Connor's a money machine. Yeah. It's multiple I mean, things his, he's doing. His whiskey, his his, his clothing. Uh, cl- yeah, I saw him on a monster advertisement the other day. Yep, he's just he's killing it. So I, I think there comes a point with professional athletes where you have to kind of capitalize while you're hot, but it also distracts you while you're hot. So it's kind of a double edged sword, it seems like. It really is. And that's it's something it's like, do you do you just say, you know, screw it, I'm just going to fight. And then at the end, you try to start selling up, which makes it much harder. And I've experienced this from leaving TV. I wanted to do all everything I was doing while I was in, at TV in, yeah. in the prime of my career. And it's completely different doing it once you leave TV. People, in the, it goes down, it goes down, it goes down, it goes down. People still know who you are, but you lose from people when you are on TV. It's a very powerful there's no more powerful feeling or no more powerful thing or having reach out there as far as how people perceive you and whatnot. And when that's gone, it's much, much harder. So you have to strike when the iron's hot too, if that is one of your, but again, it comes down to goals and what are you truly passionate about and what are you trying to do here? So that's where I think though, at, at the end of the day, it's a testament though to, especially those guys too, going out there and sacrificing. I, I wish sometimes fans, I see it with wrestling and MMA and there's so many great fans and I try to just focus on that now, but I wish people had more respect for what these guys actually do. What everyone does that competes, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I was curious for you, like with the social media, do you, how, how has that been for you? And what are your thoughts on it growing up? Come, come, we come from the same period of without it. And then AOL coming into the picture and <laughs> to now. I can imagine that you've probably experienced some of the stuff that, that I have, but on a much larger scale, being that you were you were going for the title for a while yeah. and you're in the spotlight, right? Yeah. That, that was your goal. That's your goal that you were talking about earlier, yeah. right? You want to be champion. Yeah. So 
Uh, I can imagine I probably had a small percentage of the of the hate and the ridiculousness that you have, but it's just funny the the stuff that people will say to you uh, on Instagram or on Facebook, and then they're the first person in line to get your autograph yeah. when they see you in person. I don't understand that dynamic. I don't either. I don't understand and that. I man, I had a it. My entire outlook on all this has changed though, because there was a bit there. I came across a book showed up uh, in my PO box. Uh, called The Energy Codes by Dr. Sue Mortar, this woman. I never never heard of it. And I was big on the book, The Secret, many years ago, changed my outlook, changed my life, just got me into positive thinking and opened me up to it when I was 25, when I had nothing and poor living in Louisville, Kentucky. I'd been fired from WWE. I get this book in my P.O. box and I flip it around and it has all the author, people that were in the book, The Secret, writing the reviews for it. And I go, oh, maybe I'll read this and check this out. Man, Brian, what a book... Gift from the gods. I, I contact the Sue Mortar lady. I go, did you send me this book? This book is absolutely amazing. It's helped me so much. She'd never even heard of me. Had no, she's an, an elderly, an older woman, and I've had her on this show. The book, though, it, it was I was focusing on the negatives too much, and I was ignoring all the good, and there's all these millions of people that loved me, and I was focusing on the bad. But I would talk about that a lot, and it's there's just so many unhappy. There's a lot of unhappy people, and I think they just have a they have access to people doing great things. They don't understand it. They're unhappy with themselves, and it's truly for me. And having Ken Shamrock's another guy, he was on. He told me this is one thing for him. He goes, Ryan. He goes, I respond to the hate with love, and and like and I go, and I had tried that before, but I didn't go all the way with it, and uh, for me, that's one of the things that's helped me is responding to these people with a loving message. And with, I don't feel bad then because I was letting him back to Dr. Sue. I would get this hateful. I was getting, I got a lot of hate for a lot of things. A lot of, probably all of it, not true. And which yeah. is a really hard thing to deal with when people you're dealing with an entertainment thing and you got people that are giving you real hate and death threats and things. I was absorbing all the hate and absorbing it. And it was eating away at me like slowly. It, it made me feel horrible. But then I, this book came across me and it just changed my entire outlook Ken talking to him where I respond to it with more love now and things of whatnot. And I can still block him if I have to and whatnot, but I don't feel bad about it anymore. Whereas you read a hundred good comments and then you get that one bad one and that one bad one <laughs> penetrates every fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing for those listening. If you're nicer to guys like Ryback, to the, the, the guys that you look up to, whether it be Ed Cohen, Bill Kazmaier, Stan Efferding, Brian Carroll, whoever it is you look up to, if you're nice, we'll fucking talk to you. Yeah. We'll respond. If we, we can't respond to everyone, but you leaving a douchey comment isn't going to help help us help you at all. No, it's just it, – it's you sometimes will get people that will do it just to get attention too. They think that's a way to get a hold of attention, but it's, you, you give what you get. You know, you're not going to – usually people it's not, people aren't going to feel good getting a comment like that and – Ken, though, broke it down best for me. He goes, Ryan, he goes, when you respond and he goes, we have the followers we have or you have your followers. That, and doesn't matter. He goes, it doesn't matter how many you have. He goes, you right. have people that like you and love you and are following you that do care about you, that when you respond to them, they see the comment. And he goes, those people take care of it for you. And I feel like it's a double. You respond with loving kindness. For me, yeah. this has helped me not, not absorb that hate. And then yeah. it allows them to learn from the experience to feel what they're giving out. So hopefully they never do it again. And it's been yeah. the most beautiful thing. It's just calmed down. It's an amazing thing. That's, That's great. You know, 
Here's another thing too. The haters pay your bills. They yeah. pay my bills too. I mean, they're the one that want to watch to see you lose, right? Yeah, they want yeah. to watch to see me lose. And here they are checking up on me, following me, buying my stuff. So they see what's going on. So, um, same thing with fight. It's big in the fight game. I'm sure it's big in wrestling where, you know, you, you have a bunch of people that, that want to see you fall. Well, they're, they're paying to come see you. You know what I mean? So it's, it help it helps me nonetheless. That's the way I look at it. But the, the negativity thing is it, it's hard to deal with on social media because it, sometimes it makes me not even want to want to bother, you know yeah. what I mean? Trying to help people and stuff. But, I was the same way. My back anymore. You know what? I don't even respond if something's ridiculous, or I had someone write something ridiculous earlier. I just delete it and blocked them and moved on. I didn't even before I'd write them a really well thought out, witty response. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a waste of time. It is. You know, there's no good because it's their mindset that's the problem, and nothing you do is going to change that necessarily. They have to change that and whatnot. But I was curious, what are some of the things that you get? for you and that because I can't even fathom for me it I this I can't imagine waking up and going on YouTube or going on social media I can't no matter no I had access at, and we had the internet when we were younger yeah. I had access to I remember sending Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner an email <laughs> uh, about working out about what this new AST Max OT workout plan I discovered <laughs> with Jeff Willett and Skip LaCour the four to yeah. six reps Brian I wrote Scott Steiner, who had the best physique in all of wrestling probably at this point, a long-ass email how he needed to, to do this AST program if he wanted to get even bigger. It was helping me, but it was a very positive, nice email. I right. would never, like, I could never imagine writing an email, though, like, you suck or, you, you know, you, you weak piece of shit or anything of that nature. What happened to your chest? Yeah. What happened to your chest, you piece of shit? I can't even imagine. I was just, to me, that technology was so great. I got to have contact with somebody. I couldn't even imagine. It's an entirely different thing now where people, they, I, and I think it comes down to a lot of people being very unhappy and parenting and, and coming into the world and maybe in a, in a tough place. And hopefully as time goes on, they do overcome that and realize that it's not the way to act. And I think the more positive people can be in talking about this, it helps a lot of people realize, just don't focus. If you find something you don't like, just don't comment. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best piece of advice I can give. Just move on. Don't yeah. focus your energy and don't put a hateful comment because it's actually hurting you just as much. I heard a, I heard a commercial on TV the other day. It uh, said it mentioned something about hate liking your friend's comment, and I'd never heard that before. But I laughed out loud because I'm thinking, I know people that don't like me that like my stuff, and that's a hate like. I've, I know they don't like me. I've had confrontations with them. Really? Um, absolutely. And they, they still follow my stuff. I'm just like, whatever. But uh, Scott Steiner was one of my favorites. He had a ridiculous physique. Yeah. Nothing finer than Scott Steiner. Uh, big yep. bad voodoo, voodoo daddy. Or big bad booty daddy. Man, I uh, <laughs> no joke, Brian. I got to do a show with him about a year and a half ago in Wisconsin, and uh, it was pretty cool. And because uh, I grew up, man, I uh, – I had the, there was a period when I, at my peak of my wrestling fandom when I was a kid, had the short hair. I bleached my hair and had the same like haircut ever. I was all about Scott Steiner for a good period, man. He, but I always liked the physical, believable wrestlers. That for mm-hmm. me was whatever. I take it you're probably the same way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, his brother was an animal, man. I, I've heard stories that about is. him like really tuning people up. I talked uh, to his son. His Tank, son, Tank is, Abbott, yeah, he threw down with Tank Abbott there. Yep, 
Crazy. Rick Steiner's son actually is on Instagram. Uh, I follow him on there. He's he just squatted like six hundred something pounds. I, he's in college. He was a football player, but I think he wants to get into wrestling possibly. But he's mm-hmm. he's just a freak, and uh, it's just you look at him and you're like, that's a guy you don't want to mess with. And he, he, you can tell he's a Steiner. <laughs> the Steiners, yeah, they're a different breed for sure. So some of the stuff that that I would get, you said you can't really imagine. It's just that I'm weak. That really? I didn't do the lift right, or that my lifting's a joke, or just yeah. silly things like that. That you just, what do you say to that? Oh, well, I mean, I don't think it's weak. You know, the record books don't say it's weak, but you you have the right to say whatever you want. Yeah. Or a fat, if you're fat, or really? you should be lifting more weight. Or they like to compare you to other people. You yeah. ain't shit compared to Ed Cohn, or you're not. It's just the way of the world, man. You know, they probably did the same to you. You know, yeah. you're you're no one compared to. Stone Cold Steve Austin. The worst whatever. wrestler ever. It doesn't matter. You, you don't belong. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> you could go from being the most loved person and then you got people telling you you don't deserve anything. And you just, there's nothing. You just, okay. I've learned, I've given, and it's, it's been an evolution for me. I just took away all power from everybody, good and bad. I just, I've always known who I am and, and I've never, but I was like, it's like you said, I sometimes would do the same thing. I'd write out a response and I, I actually would just feel good writing out the response and then I would delete it. Just so I, I, but I was like, what a waste of fucking time. There has to be a better way. I don't, yep. I don't, even if it's a minute or two, it's a waste of time. We're giving well, that. And, and your fans that really, really like yes. you and that buy, that support you, they come to your events, they buy your merchandise. They might just be flipping through, let's say Instagram. They might be flipping through and for whatever reason, they see your comment to someone. They're like, oh man, why? I thought, I thought Ryback was better than this, you know? And you have a bad day, and then, yeah. and then you know, a million people, one point two million people that you have on Instagram, might you know, might see that, have potential to see that. Yeah, no, it's and two and other than the Sue Mortar woman really helped me. She and she's like, your focus goes, your the energy grows wherever your focus goes, and it's a Tony Robbins quote. Yeah, but I realized, I and you touched on it there. I was like, I have all these. I was like you, where I was cutting. I didn't want to deal with social media. I did it for a while. My social media tanked for a bit because I completely. Wanted nothing to do with it because I was just, I was in a dark place too. And I was busy and I'm staying active in the limelight doing things. But I just didn't want to deal with people because I was in, I was trying, I'm trying to figure shit out, trying to right. get myself. And, but it was that hate and I was letting it where I was ignoring all the good. But then I realized from that book, I go, just focus on the good. And I felt so much relief and so much better just communicating with my fans and the good people. And it's yep. just kind of drowned out all the bad. And now you get that bad comment. Now it doesn't even have any bearing because it's just like, I got all this good right here. And this is what I'm That's focusing true. on. And talking to these people as much as we can, they're yeah. the ones that truly do care. So don't give the attention to the ones that don't give a shit anyways. Or they're, You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, how many times have you had an argument with someone on Facebook or Instagram and about religion, politics, or wrestling, uh, drugs, whatever it may be, diet? How many times have you ever had a dialogue back and forth with someone and they say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. It doesn't I'm glad happen you put very it that often. Way. No, it, it's a, that's why it's a waste. Yeah. That's why you, you sit down and do a in-person debate if you want to debate someone. Talk yeah. with someone on the phone yeah. one-on-one or, or set up a debate. But arguing with, on the internet – it's just a bunch of fake tough guys yeah. that, that like to run their mouth. And, I mean, there's billions of people on this planet, and everybody thinks that they're right from their point of view and their perspective. And, it, and there, there's always different opinions on things. And I think part of it is you of learning to talk and is 
both people can actually be right too in different things. Uh-huh. And it's not, it's all just on your perspective and where you're coming from and whatnot. And that kind of leads me, I was, wanted to ask you about this because like for me, with the whole, with, with drugs and cause in wrestling for me, like I was as a kid, so against, I never thought in a million years I would ever, ever, ever do anything. And then I've talked about this openly on here. Triple H and Kevin Nash came into Gold's Gym. Triple H was one of my favorites for, for he was my favorite for quite a bit. When he like tra- transformed there and got in really good shape and he came up with a water bottle on him. Yeah, badass, yeah. man. Intensity, yeah. everything. I, I bought into the whole thing. And at that point, I was 20 years old working at Gold's Gym. I'd always check in. Jay Cutler used to come in and tell me, he goes, you need to be a pro bodybuilder. I was like 240, never had touched anything and just loved just loved working out. I'd had an injury for baseball was over with in college, so I was trying to figure out that next step, and I wanted to get into wrestling. Hunter and Kevin Nash come in there to work out during the Olympia. I think it was when Hunter was doing, he was like the MC for the Olympia or something. It was back when he was all jacked up. And yeah. I overheard them talking about steroids at the juice yeah. bar. And <laughs> right, yeah. Ironic, right? <laughs> ingrained in my brain, Brian. But right then and there, oh, yeah. it justified to me. I go, oh, this is essentially kind of my hero or one of my heroes. He's doing it. And I loved Arnold at the time. And I think a lot of people have made this mistake. Arnold was successful, in my opinion, just for his mindset. But it justified in my mind, oh, I need to do this to get into wrestling. And I did them for about four years, off and on, very mildly, but I did them. And because I wanted, I was comparing myself to other people and I thought that it was okay. And I look back and it, I'm, I'm very against it outside of a medicinal purpose because I feel like there's just a lot of bad that can come with it. But do you think ever, and I know with bodybuilding and with powerlifting, do you think there's ever a way to just eliminate it altogether outside of TRT and things of that nature? No, because everyone's always going to try to gain an edge, whether it's caffeine, whether it's BCAAs, whether it's SARMs and peptides. I mean, they're, they're huge right now. And they're, they're always, the science is always changing where they can, now they have growth hormone tests. So they implement the NFL really stringent. Um, But they always say the, the, the bad guy's always going to be a step ahead of the cops. So I think no matter what, there are people going to find ways. Look at Lance Armstrong. For yeah. he was able to always dodge it, able to dodge it. You know what I mean? Do you and, think uh, if, the, if implementing testing, though, like you know, like UFC has USADA, and who's to say that there's not loopholes? I don't know. I'm not in that system, but that if if there was a mass system in place, that it would it would. Do you think it would help at all or no? Uh, I think okay, so that's a double edged sword. I think because. It might help the the players or athletes inside of it. Maybe in the UFC, it makes the fighting safer. Yeah. Whatever that means, fighting safe. I yeah. don't. You know, that's what one of the arguments Rogan makes is you can't be on steroids and smashing a guy's head in with your elbow. You're gonna lead to you know people getting killed. And I see what he's saying, but I think that as far as a a a, a, um, a fans draw. There's a reason right now why offense is way up in Major League Baseball in the NFL because they've tightened down on the defenses in the NFL. You can't hit anyone anymore. Yeah. Now the quarterbacks can sit back in the pocket and not yeah. worry about getting blasted. And so they have plenty of time, to, to the receivers, to get open, to check down or whatever. And then baseball, they've hit more home runs in baseball this year than ever in history. I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah. Do they have a reasoning for that or no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Verlander, the starting pitcher for the American League, 
went on a tangent another uh, right before the All Star break, an All Star game that he was starting for, said that um, they're they're wrapping the balls tight again, and he knows that he's pissed because he's a pitcher. You know what I mean? So, but no one wants to go and watch a pitcher's duel. No, they want to see home runs. They want to see bombs. See, and that goes back to like back in that McGuire Sosa period, Barry Bonds. That was the hottest period I feel like in baseball because there it was because of the home runs because that's the most exciting part of the game. So yeah. I think that's that's interesting that they they have found a way to bring that back because <laughs> with the drug testing in place. Yeah. So if you're a pitcher, though, it's a nightmare, but. Everything comes down to ratings and trying to find that and the entertainment of getting eyeballs to watch it and whatnot. I grew up playing baseball, too, and uh, I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan okay. just because living in Florida, WGN, their their network in Chicago, uh, was piped in for free in our cable. So I grew up watching Michael Jordan. I grew up watching Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson to the Cubs, Mark Grace. Um, so it was just one of those things that I, that I, I gravitated towards. Um, but I agree with you a hundred percent that you can make the sport better for the athletes, but it could suffer as a whole, um, uh, for, for watching purposes, like the opposite of that is going on in the NFL. The players are very disgruntled. They don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. They don't know what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, but the fans are happy because there's a ton of offense going on, but the defensive yeah. people are not happy. So I, I don't know if there's a way to clean up. Uh, the sport when you start tampering with something like that, it might it might mess it up a little bit. It Can might you, make things a little weird, you know. I I, don't know. I always think about that because I heard Arnold because Arnold and and I talked to people about this and where because bodybuilding and powerlifting too because it's based off two things bodybuilding based off how you look and and people have gotten used to seeing things a certain way that and I and Arnold I'd heard made a comment that he wish wants to institute drug testing into bodybuilding and I think right. to your point the. I think initially what would happen is from the hardcore audience, which is mostly the majority, because it's that stuff like it's never gone bodybuilding mainstream or anything of that nature the way it should. And I feel part of that is the drug use that turns off a lot of just regular everyday people because it's yeah. on that. That if these policies were implemented, which again, this would come down on the promotion to which everything comes down to money though and whatnot. That maybe initially, I don't know how long that period is, if it's five years, if it's 10 years, I think it would suffer initially just from the, from a visual standpoint. But I think as the longer time went on, it would actually, it would come back to all time highs. Eventually, I think if reconditioned people to, this is what it is to make it more mainstream, but it's an entirely different mindset and it's everything's so short term these days that no promotion is going to take a hit financially to be the ones to implement that. I feel like. Yeah, it's just a can of worms, yeah. man. Unfortunately, it's part of every every dagum sport, and uh, you're always going to have people that are cheating, that are beating, you know, beating the tests. I mean, hell, you know, the USADA and WADA and all these other organizations, they can still be beat. Uh, if you did a, a Google search on Serena Williams uh, locking herself in a safe, locking herself in her safe room. When uh, a drug test person showed up, she called the police, called 911, locked her in. Uh, Victor Conti talked about this. Uh, you know, Victor Conti was behind yeah. Balco. He was explaining to Joe Rogan, there's certain ways that you can beat these tests. You can miss one test a year. So what do you do? You give a different address to where you're living. You have two houses. You say you're living at house A, but you're actually living in house B. 
You get word they're looking for you in house A, you disappear for a while, you give the drugs time to get out of your system, then you show up for your test. But you can only miss one a year. That's when you have to get off the drugs. Yeah. No, there's, there's always there's always yeah, there's always ways to and you know, she says she wasn't using drugs, but she's also a heavily muscular woman. I mean, yeah. she's got a lot of muscle, you know, and she was linked to Balco as well as a, a lot of athletes were. Um, it's that competitive thing, too, when you're in that environment. Like, I know for me, I was in my, I was younger. I was completely never in a million years, I told you. I wouldn't think. And then I got, I saw that conversation happen, and I got put in that environment. And, well, all these guys are doing it. I need to do it, too. And you kind of, or if you know people are doing something and getting away with it, with yep. that desire to win, and it's it's a really it's a, it's a tough thing. It's that's for me. I one of the reasons I like I, pro wrestling, though. I'm very happy like with WWE implementing the wellness program. But I know for a fact, I know there were it always bothered me, and I've been on TRT since I was 28, and I just got a calcium score back today. By the way, I don't know. Have you ever had a calcium score done? I don't uh, know that I have. Doctor, the anabolic doc Thomas O'Connor. He was on yeah, the show. Yeah. He was the one that told me about this, like maybe about eight months ago, and I yeah. finally just got it. I had to go through a bunch of other heart tests, but I got it back today, and it was zero, which is it's that's the perfect score. No calcium or plaque in my arteries, and yeah. I never did anything crazy. So, but I was I wanted to make sure I'm I've been heavy my whole life, essentially, and whatnot. But um, just being more in, with the TRT, I've always been very health conscious, but. Even going back to me, that stuff messed me up for the rest of my life, though, doing it at a young age. And to me now, like what I'm doing now, and I've always just been very honest. I don't try to trick anyone. I go, this is what I do, the TRT. I don't do any yeah. of that. I That's what I love about wrestling and WWE having that at least. And that it's a more, that's not as competitive as that is. It's entertainment. So, and I can still be big and bad and not, I don't have to worry if somebody else is doing stuff. Because there were guys doing some things up there that I know about. There were some loopholes with different things right. and it always bothered me, but I was like, you know what? At the end of this isn't even, it's not like, it's not where it's not, that's not going to, in that environment, it's not going to hurt my success at all is whatnot. Right. But they at least have taken policies. Cause it's, there's no, for me, it's always been a way. There's no way to control it either. That is where yeah. it was like, it's like the NFL. I've heard though, the NFL has a, a ratio of 10 to one. And I don't know how true that is where WWE it's four to one. Where you, you got to be, if you're on the TRT or anything, you can't be over that four to one ratio. Uh, and I've heard the NFL's 10 to one, but I always wondered that if they implemented some sort of drug policy and where they just allowed a certain level. But then again, that would be going against kind of regulations and rules of, you know, that we live in. It's, it's really, it's a tough thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a can of worms, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I messed myself up as a teenager myself in my early 20s. Taking pro hormones, same you know, you up and get them. Yeah, uh, there was a couple of really good ones that worked, and I'd immediately get stronger. Um, and uh, so I've actually been off my TRT for six months now. Have you really? <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not recommended. But I, me and me and my my wife's younger than I am. She's thirty one. Yeah, and uh, we want to conceive, but we 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 never had that. Uh, we never had that goal before. Yep. So of course I'm going to stay on my TRT and the extras, right? For my for my training and whatnot, and then I'll come back down to TRT. But I had no sperm back in January, so doctors like, well, you're going to feel like shit for maybe up to a six months to a year, but that's what you have to do to get your natural production going again. 
when you're producing testosterone, you end up producing sperm and then, you know, the magic can happen then. But I tell you what, you get soft really quick. Yeah. You get soft really quick. You know, you lose a little bit of motivation. You, you're more tired. But six months in, it's a little easier than it was two or four months. And I'm just going to wait it out as long as I need to. But Have uh, you seen that Dave Palumbo, they had a thing I saw because my buddy, because I, the, that where you can essentially get pregnant. I don't know if it's with the HCG, HMG, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Is there something? Like, have you seen that? Yeah. I'm doing. I have. I don't have any HMG, and if anyone can find some HMG, be sure to let me know because that's the one Palumbo said is magical. The, yeah. It's the human menopausal uh, gonadotropin. There's yeah. and it's supposed to like go in quick, quick. I mean, really like yeah, sure. like very quick. Like guys were. Yeah, and, and the doctors still don't know entirely how the fertility works. They're just still taking shots in the dark. So someone like Palumbo. He's ahead of the game, man, because he's been dealing with drugs the last 30 years, yeah. so he knows this stuff. Yep. So uh, he's had a lot of people have great success on his protocol. So I am doing HCG. I am doing Clomid, and I've not been able to locate HMG. But they I had, would, I uh, thought, a facility that was doing it out back where he was. Tampa, actually. Are they still doing it? I looked it? it up. I couldn't find it. Really? Yeah. I'll have to look into I might. I'm going to try to get Dave on here eventually. and that's If I find out anything, I will, uh, I'll let you know because that's – I was curious on all that too because I've just I've been on TRT since I was, since I was 28, and that's a, a real issue. The longer you're on that, mm-hmm. that having kids and whatnot. But yeah, and and but you know, I never thought I would need it, so I didn't care. I didn't yeah. take HCG when I was on TRT, or I just ignored it because you know what? You know everything when you're in your 20s. You know everything yeah. <laughs> when you're in your early 30s. Yeah. Then you realize you're like, oh man, I have a lot of life to live. Yeah, you know, after after this this whole thing's done with lifting, there's a lot of life to live, and like you said, you don't want to be a burden to everybody. No, for you, man. I want I want to touch more a little bit on this back pain, but I was curious. I did have a question for you. I actually, what are your thoughts? Because I in the book, I, I somebody reached out to me uh, from this gym and said you need to get a reverse hyper for your gym. He goes, it'll be really good for your back, and I ended up buying one of those Titan reverse hypers and got it. Yeah. True story. This is me dealing with life. The uh, two, not even two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I'm pushing the box. I had two big ass heavy boxes. I was pushing them to my gym on a Sunday night because the the gym people were coming to come install it Monday morning. And I felt, I had two core growing tears in WWE. I had to go to Philadelphia, the only doctor that supposedly does it, right in the pubic region. I'd strained both groins and they were pulling on my abs. They ripped both of my abs off eventually. Worst pain ever, man. I had scar tissue, though, that broke up for some time in that whole groin area after that. And I haven't had anything since, but I'm pushing these low boxes. And I felt like just a little mild strain. And it was because I was at a weird angle. and But it was nothing. It wasn't like I felt it. Like I felt it pop before. So it wasn't that. And I go, what was that? And then I, no joke, man. <laughs> I had to go to the doctor. My right testicle blew up. It, it was right in my groin, though, on that, and it the swelling went right into it. And they said it takes about a month. I'm way better now. But random off story about the reverse hyper. What are your thoughts on the reverse hyper for backs? Can it be beneficial okay. to some people? It can be beneficial to some people, but it depends on what type of injury they have. If they just have a tight, a quote-unquote tight back and they don't actually have – a disc bulge or some complications going on there, it might help them. It might help them traction the spine. The problem is, is throwing a machine at any back injury or any exercise. 
uh, one of one of Stu's things that he's taught me, and he's and he talks about it in his book Back Mechanic, and we talk about it in Gift of Injury. It depends. There's no always yes or no. Sometimes it depends. It, it always depends on the uh, scenario and and what you have going on. So. I do think I know Louis Simmons. I know the guy that developed reverse hyper. I've known Louis for 15 years. Um, He's a genius with this stuff. With that said, there's science that says that if someone has a disc bulge, you don't need to bend. Bending will perpetuate the injury and pick the scab. So you talked about earlier the stretch reflex, the, the stretch receptors in your spine that feel better for 15 or 20 minutes after you do that stretch. Yeah. And then it gets tighter than ever, and it just picks the scab. Picking the scab, if you have a scab on your hand, it feels good while you do it, but then it never heals up. There's a lot of the same parallels that go with both of those. So it really just depends, but you can't throw any machine or exercise blindly at, at an injury and expect it to always and forever work. So for me, it always perpetuated my injury. For okay. other people, they say they love it. So, so Stu, one of the first things that Stu asked me, though, when I called him up six years ago was, are you doing reverse hypers? Really? And I said, no, they hurt my back. Well, it's a very common exercise for strength athletes yeah. because it's a good posterior chain builder, the glutes, the hamstrings, the erectors. But with that said, there's no free passes in physiology. Like uh, Andy Galpin says that I've, I've stole that quote a few times. Anything you do is going to have a cost. Yeah. So there has to be a better cost to benefit ratio for you to uh, consider doing it. And that's for any exercise. And I think too, for me, like I, I did it last week actually just to try it and I went very light and I didn't feel any pain, but they've regrown my disc. For me, like I said, I, my pain is very mild. And I had this guy, uh, Trevor Bachmeyer, uh, Smashworks on Instagram and YouTube. He's helped me in this bow high towers, helped my shoulder tremendously. But I had a real, my remaining issues were more muscular that I've been having my, with my QL muscle and putting the softball in my QL muscle and lifting yeah. my leg and just doing that for a few minutes every day, a couple times a day, has taken away pretty much the rest of my back pain. But I do okay. know that I do need to get a little – I'm doing one final round of this because they're going to do my disc. They're doing four, my L2, 3, 4, and 5 with the stem cells because these are the most powerful ones because for wrestling – too with me i was did it mine came from compression i was doing the stone cold stunner with a guy on my back and taking an ass bump with all the weight coming down on me since in my early 20s and i was told not to do it and it completely uh, and i i it was five discs that were just completely worn thin but i caught it just in time where they were able to actually regrow them and my last mri all the cracks everything they filled in and the cracks are all gone and it's like it's amazing, but I, I tried the reverse hyper and didn't feel any pain or anything on that. But I was at a time too, even doing traction, I couldn't do traction. I would do the inversion mm-hmm. table and be, I would create like be locked in there. I couldn't because my back would spasm out so bad. Because in stretching, I would do yoga programs and I got DDP. I love him in the program. There are certain things that do help me. Sure. But there was he was like, you need to be doing the yoga, and I go, I go DDP. I go, it's fucking killing me. I go, you don't understand. I go. I'm so depressed because I'm all I'm doing is doing all this work and it's making me worse. I feel like, and then I was like, I, there's medically something I I don't I didn't know what to do. But the Andrew Locke, and this is where I was getting at with all this. He was the first one that put it in my head that oh, there might be a way to live with this at least. And mm-hmm. where I started doing these exercises that he gave me, they were very similar to your big three in there in the book. Uh-huh. That's what I was going to ask you for people and people listening if they have back pain. And obviously, and consult with a physician or whatnot. 
But do you recommend the, the big three? Is that a good starting point for you for the gift of injury? There's a couple suggestions that, that I would give, and this is from what I've learned from Dr. McGill. Uh, getting out and walking a couple 10-minute walks yep. a day is great. It naturally tractions the spine. And the reason why a lot of people feel stiffer at night is because the, the discs get their nutrients by hydration when, they're sleep, when you're sleeping. Yes. So they're going to be more full because they're getting nutrients. So when you get up and you go for a walk in the morning and you don't bend and you let gravity do its thing, your back will typically settle. So getting out and walking a couple times a day, 10 minutes at a time, the McGill Big Three, if it doesn't cause you pain, is a great stabilizer. Yep. But the biggest thing is the movement patterns. If you have a bending injury, stop bending. Stiffen the spine. I'm not saying you can't ever bend again, but if you're flexion intolerant, don't be in flexion all the time. Move around the pain, and then eventually you'll be desensitized to it, and then you can do that movement again, but with care and with stiffness and with bracing like you are talking about earlier. A lot of people don't understand intra-abdominal stiffness and pressure and, and building that imaginary belt, pushing out laterally with the yeah. abdominals, building that natural belt around. And that stuff with that, you should do that just like – Bracing yourself for everyday tasks too. Is that something you can apply on? Because when I was reading your book, that was really, to me, made me much more conscious of when I'm doing things. Even at the gym, when I'm going and grabbing a 45 pound plate, I can't tell you, I wouldn't even think about it. You're just going, you throw it up and Mm -hmm. where now I'm literally catching myself and I'm bracing myself and I'm I'm literally flexing my abs and breathing out like outwards with them and where it's just to give myself that stability and I started doing it on my lifts. I wasn't doing that ever, consciously, ever aware of it. Just always would just lift. And it's made such a drastic improvement on not feeling pain. Everything's just tightening up. And it, it's that's one of the, probably for me, I always get one big thing out of every book. That was for me the really abrasing uh, myself and uh, made me angry that I've done it wrong for so long. <laughs> and how much strength I haven't tapped into potentially with it. It's... Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's thank you for for putting that out. I highly recommend to everybody to please check out a gift of injury because it's what you're doing is it's just helping people. To me, it's the best thing you could do, especially coming from what you you had in your achievements and giving people access to this information. Because I feel like there is a way to be a high level athlete, and we can take care of ourselves better than our time and the period before, because we have this information now and, and hopefully it's going to, we continue to evolve and improve. And the only way we do that is by sharing what we learn. So. Absolutely. And you know what, you know, your best days of strength are ahead of you. You know, all the research points to your strongest in your forties. Yeah. At your forties, you may not feel this, you may not feel the best because you have cumulative injuries, but uh, the first guy to ever squat 1100 pounds was 41. No shit. Yep. I feel better. I was going to tell you that too. That for me though, that's where that clock is ticking where I was like, you're only, we only live once. And mm-hmm. in wrestling, we do have the freedom where you can, the careers can be longer in wrestling typically with right. it being entertainment. But it, high, the way that I was, I, there was no, I couldn't do anything. But I've just like, I feel like now that my back is better and my getting my shoulder a little better than what it was and I figured out what was going on, I don't feel, I feel better than I have in the last 10 years outside of just this remaining shoulder stuff. So I was like, I don't feel like I've gotten old yet. No gray hairs or anything. I was like, I know I fucking have a good run in me. I just got to get this back and everything a little better. So it's, uh, we live in a cool period, man, with the stem cells too and everything. It's, 
I can't imagine where we're going to be the next 5, 10, 15 years, 20 years, what they're able to do. But it's for everybody, if you have back pain, a gift of injury, I highly recommend it. And then, Brian, I always ask everybody when they're on here, too, because um, I, I know you're busy, is just for, oh, good, man. for life, for you, if you could give one piece of advice for everybody out there that's, that has helped you in your life, what would that be? If you had to narrow oh, it down. <laughs> so one thing that comes to mind if I'm at a speaking engagement concerning back pain or lifting is be a cerebral lifter. Yeah. Do it. And if you're going to be an athlete, be all in 100%. That means the nutrition, the recovery. You know, we both are friends with Stan Efforting. Yep. His guy. book, The Vertical Diet, is a great book. It's, the new one's 300 pages, and it doesn't just cover diet. It gives studies behind the, the diet. Really? It gives you recovery, the CPAP, how to get a CPAP, how to run yeah. blood work. I mean, it's just great. But um, be a cerebral lifter. Do your research. But be very careful not to listen to too many people at one time because it'll just pull you in a in a circle there. Um, if I could do it all over, I'd have been a lot more patient and a lot more uh, refined with my approach in my uh, in my teens and early twenties because I was always hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, gotta have it now, gotta have it now. You have you have time to do it. Yes, time is of the essence when you're when you're our age and you don't want to mess around, but. You know, you, we can do these things for a long time. So uh, be cerebral about what you're doing. And if I would have had someone that would have said, hey, use better form, yeah. brace your core a little bit more, you know, move well, be an athlete at all times, not just when you're lifting, because I was like you, yep. I would just grab a hundred pound plate with one hand. Yeah. I would just lean over and grab, you know, someone off the floor or whatever. Had no regard for my health. And I was actually very reckless with not just my supplement use, not just with my lifting, but just. In general, I didn't have a good mindset. You know, I was dumb. I wouldn't expect him to live in my 40s and 50s, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. All I cared about was now, now, now. So don't don't, don't just live in the now. That's problematic, I think. That's great. And do, I was going to, for you, do you, I imagine it has to give you great pleasure being able to have access to athletes now and helping them, right? I mean, that's, that's something you truly enjoy, I would imagine, right? I do like it. I do like it. And, uh, you know, you, you see some some people that surround themselves with not good, uh, uh, teammates. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they don't, they're not, they, they, whenever you have a name, you attract people, right? You know that yeah. you attract people trying to give you stuff, people trying to work with you. And unfortunately, a lot of these people are con men yeah. you know, and, and, and they, they don't even have the education they say they're not who they say they are yep. and people get conned and they get led down a bad pathway. I've seen multiple athletes that would blow your mind that I could tell you off air that were surrounded by the worst clinicians you could ever imagine. I'm talking about some of the greatest athletes of all time, and it kept them injured. Yeah. So be very careful who you associate with. I talk about it all the time. We are who we put ourselves around. That's that's great. That's great advice as well. Brian, where can people get your book, A Gift for Injury? Um, you can get it on PowerRackStrength.com, which is my website where I keep my blog, my lifting blog. I've got 500 plus articles on there. A lot of them do correspond with my work with Dr. McGill. Uh, a lot of them with my book 1020 Life, which is basically it's parts of Gift of Injury, but it's full fledged a strength training manual, okay. not so much rehab in our story. Yep. Um, you can get that at PowerRackStrength.com. Uh, you can get uh, Gift of Injury and 1020 at Amazon or Backfit Pro. Okay. So we have a few different distributors. Kabuki, Kabuki Strength. Chris Duffin sells our book. Uh, a few other people sell it, but the the main the main way to get it is Power Rack Strength, Backfit Pro, or Amazon. 
Good deal. And you're Brian Carroll 81 on Instagram, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you very much. And guys, we're going to be right back after these messages. What's going on, guys? It's the big guy Ryback, and I want to tell you guys about this exciting new company I'm working with. Recently, I've been dealing with pain in both my back and shoulder, as you know, and other areas of the body. Recently, I've been doing the stem cell therapy here in the United States, but I decided I wanted to take my recovery up a notch. And that's when I came across a stem cell facility located in Medellin, Colombia, called BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the global leader in stem cell therapy. BioAccelerator is the global leader in stem cell therapy. They offer a state-of-the-art medical facility with the ability to treat patients with tens of millions of active adult stem cells to help them recover from injury and major medical complications. BioAccelerator currently offers treatments for a variety of conditions ranging from orthopedic injury, spine and disc injury, chronic pain, ED, and even severe autoimmune disease. BioAccelerator also has something for you men and women out there who are looking to stay in the game and keep yourself looking young and feeling youthful. Ask about their anti-aging and rejuvenation treatments as well. I will be tracking my progress as I go through the treatment, as you guys have seen with BioAccelerator, and giving you, the audience, updates as I heal and overcome these injuries on my journey back to the ring. If you or someone you know suffers from a life of pain or complications due to a major medical condition, join the likes of UFC Hall of Famer Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, WWE stars like Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, and myself. You can contact BioAccelerator directly, guys. As for my personal friend, David Truitt, he's the one who has reached out to me and helped me from the very beginning. He will help you through the consultation process with the same level of care and expertise as he did for me. Start your path to wellness and become a BioX man or BioX woman today at www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. That's BioAccelerator, B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R, www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. Baseball season is in full swing, and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with betonline.ag. This week, I'm not watching any of the game, guys, because you know the big guy Ryback doesn't watch much sports, to be quite honest. But I'm not against it at all, and if you love sports and you love betting, betonline.ag is your place, because now you can save an extra 50% added on to your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. The best part is the bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. A minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus, and please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. BetOnline.ag, your one-stop shop for online betting. All right, back here. We got the Pro Wrestling Report this week with Ryan Satin. Pro Wrestling, she's Ryan Satin. What's going on? The Big Guys Wrestling Report with Ryan Satin, brought to you by Pro Wrestling Sheet. I botched that entire thing. Ryan Ryan Satin. 
<laughs> no, I worked. I had a week off. So, you know, you had you you had Raj last week. You know, now you got me back. We're good. Everything's good. Uh, I, uh, I I had a bunch of things going on last weekend, so I apologize for that. But uh, this week was popping for news. So we've got oh, things to talk about. Uh, the first of which being AEW finally announced what day they're going to be on and when. They're going to be on October 2nd on TNT Live. Two hours. Um, it's on Wednesday nights, so that's the night they've decided to go on. Uh, the night that is already occupied by NXT, but obviously NXT is only on WWE Network. It's not on actual television. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's rumors that that might change in the very near future that, um, that you know, that NXT is hopefully going to be on Fox Sports 1 or, or maybe um, another network or something like that. I believe the big... The big rumors that obviously that they're going to go to Fox Sports One though, um, and that'll be interesting when they have NXT versus AEW head 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 to head if that does end up happening. Now, obviously, it's going to happen technically anyway because they're on the network, but it's not it's not the same thing. Uh, what do you think about them choosing Wednesday nights though? You think it was a good choice? I think that no matter what night, and we talked about this. I think initially before me and you off the air, even kind of a little bit just back when in WWE was. So why would they make it easy for them? Why? No matter what, it didn't matter. And I said with Raj last week, WWE has the luxury of that no matter what night AEW chose, WWE has the luxury of just sitting back. Keep They can keep it on the network for a month or two even, and then bam, put it on whatever night. Like There was, there was no winning for AEW. Like They weren't going to outmaneuver WWE on that no matter what because WWE has that show that's not on TV that they could get on TV and they have now a direct connection to get it on TV. So why wouldn't they, AEW isn't nowhere near them right now yet as far as, it's all very early on. But why wouldn't you counter program it and take away, because they're going to take away some of their ratings. They're going to, it's definitely going to take away some. Now, who does better? I don't know. that Because we have, we've yet to see anything with AEW. But yeah, of course. That is, I, I think it's great for the AEW guys to get on TV too, that it's better exposure and it's your character. It almost drops it down. Like when you go to training at NXT now getting on AEW, a, I mean, w, uh, WWE NXT TV is like getting on WWE TV now, essentially maybe, maybe yep. not quite the same, but now it's a tiny step down, but a very tiny step. It, down. It, I think. It, it closes that gap between developmental and the main roster where they could then transition right to, the main roster as the characters they are on TV, which they will have a better feel because sometimes with NXT and developmental FCW, OVW, what worked in developmental doesn't always work on the big stage. So now this is actually, I think, a good thing for WWE talent that if it doesn't work, at least it won't work at NXT TV than on Raw or SmackDown. But if it does work, they know it's probably going to work on the two main shows most likely. My guess of what they'll do, and this is just purely my guess, you know, but I feel like when NXT moves to uh, moves, if NXT moves to t- television off the network, um, I feel like they'll they'll do something different, you know, because NXT will become a third brand at that point mm-hmm. and not developmental, so they'll have to have like a different developmental system of sorts and i feel like i feel like evolve will get a weekly show on the wwe network and it'll be the new version of WWE network will be like a mix of indie guys 
and people who are WWE contracted talent. So kind of like the Evolve special that we saw recently where it was both, you know, uh, some of the developing guys and some of the guys they used more prominently mm-hmm. um, on that side of things, on the WWE Network show side of things. Um, so I feel like we'll see specials from ICW and and uh, WXW and Evolve and stuff like that, and it'll be indie guys in international areas, you know, mixed with developmental guys. Because I do think that they've learned that, like, sending out talent to the indies to work is another way of good developmental. Like yep. it does get them kind of like just more experience Sharpens in a different their skills way. skills and a different, different workers and different styles maybe. Not bad at all. And working and creating working relationships with those companies now and where, like I said, getting on NXT TV is like making it now, whereas yes. it's not. And then where they hire the guys and they're training at the at the at the um, performance center down there, but they're using those guys more, like you said, on Evolve and these other shows and branching them out and, and kind of mixing and matching and getting them their experience there. Not as on the big stage, maybe it is on the WWE network, but it's not in front of the whole WWE universe or audience yet. And then and NXT is its own thing, and they could they can get that running. And I think AEW, it's going to be really interesting to see how they, how those go, how those do head to head and who comes out on top with that. But WWE is like, it's like we talked about, it's like stages of a, of a video game where you got to go through the smaller bosses before you get to the, to the main one. And it's like WWE has that luxury, like, you know, Put NXT against it. Like, if they beat NXT, well, fuck, we're going to flop NXT and SmackDown. You got to get through SmackDown (laughs) now. And then if AEW can get through SmackDown, it's like, all right, wars are back on. But that's to be, they have that luxury. And then at the end, it's Vince just pumping iron in the gym, screaming profanities, ready to fucking go to war. And I like that. Vince (laughs) is back on the Ico Pro, full blown. (laughs) If the XFL works out, I might call it right now. Vince might go back and try to redo uh, Ico Pro in 2020. But yeah, I think it's it's an exciting time to see what happens with all this. And it's great for fans and for pro wrestlers. And there's options now. Yeah. So. Yeah, what do you uh? So what, did you see by any chance this interview? I know that uh, you two aren't the closest of people, but uh, did you see this interview that CM Punk did about AEW this week? No. So basically, and you know, it, it it would seem that he was being pretty honest about things, but it's professional wrestling. It's CM Punk. You never know. Uh, it's AEW too, so who knows? But he did an interview with ESPN's Mark Raimondi, and he he was promoting his upcoming appearance at Starcast, mm-hmm. and. You know, he addressed the whole thing where people are saying, like, now fans' expectations are going to be high in terms of him appearing at All Out or working with AEW because he's at an AEW-sponsored event. Well, a thing that AEW is so closely tied to now. Works closely with, yeah. Yeah, and he he said, uh, I know they like to talk about me. If I text Matt Jackson, hey, have a good show, have a great show tonight, which I did when they had their big show in Vegas. That somehow turns into Tony Khan telling people he has a great relationship with me. Uh, I've said in the past, I've talked to them, but nothing ever came of anything. Uh, and then he said, if, I think if there's an expectation, it's been purely built by them. My silence to some fans means something. They're trying to read the tea leaves, but there's nothing to read. I even feel like talking about it may feel like I'm putting some sort of negative slant on it, but I'm really not. The fact is, I know they've teased me ad nauseum, and if anybody's going to get mad, it's at me because I don't show up. Well, then... I don't know what to tell you. That's one of those things that's none of my business. Uh, but he basically says he's not going to be there. And then he says, uh, 
the the interviewer says like, let me just ask you straight up, like, is anything imminent between you and AEW? And he says the last thing I got was a text message from Cody Rhodes, uh, and he said um, texting offers isn't really a good way to do business at least and they said did they send you an offer via text and he said it was texted through three people and an offer came in through text like a month ago so they are at least pursuing him in some way um but it it clearly just based on this interview he doesn't seem happy about the way they've approached him Uh, what do you think i want to get your opinion on a couple things um one, do you have any insight into the relationship of like Cody and CM Punk at all? Because I know you kind of like are friendly with Cody. Um, and I was, you were, yeah. Eh, I, but I haven't talked time. to Cody either. And like I said, I, I, Cody, I can send a congratulations message months or whenever and haven't heard anything since he's been involved in all this. More so back when you guys all kind of worked in WWE. Yeah, yeah. Him and Punk like always got along. They did. Okay, so they did get along. From what I, under, from what I remember, I don't, Cody got along with everybody. But like really? Cody was always liked by everybody. He was social. Um, Punk back then. I wasn't around Punk a lot in developmental. Very briefly before he went up when I got there to OVW. I was yeah. there towards like his very end of his Paul Heyman run in OVW. And when he was Paul's guy down there. And he was he was he he went on to ECW there. Um, but I, so I don't know what specific interactions they've ever had. Well, and there's what, one specific story he talks that, that Cody told. Chris, Cody and Chris Jericho talked about it. And 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 this is why I feel like maybe there is some animosity between them because he, they told they told a story on Jericho's podcast where the locker room was like dirty or something and yeah. CM they were getting everyone was getting in trouble for it and CM Punk kind of like stood up to kind of like lecture everyone oh, on it yes this for was himself as a locker room the, the locker room leader and and piss people off about it or something like that um so the story on that was and if this is the same one was and this is when Punk was really pretty frustrated too. Um, because I think we'd already had our deal, and this was back when this was close to um, I think when we were working again the second time around when Paul was with me, and it was even more heated. That there was a situation where guys were ribbing each other, stealing shit out of the locker room, like or it was like or somebody like Yoshi Tatsu lost like an iPhone cord and like went to the talent relations and told them that somebody stole his iPhone charger. There was a, and then there was an instance where like money was possibly missing, but it was it was possibly uh, money was missing, and it was possibly somebody ribbed one of their friends in the locker room and like got it back, and it wasn't. It was like a joke or something. There was something though. A couple things went missing, and then we ended up having a big talent meeting, and everyone has their version of it, but it was essentially. Punk like got up in front of everybody and cut a promo, and I don't know if he like, I don't know what it was if he threatened. It was just a weird. It was a weird, awkward like where nobody was like. From what I remember in the Jericho thing, in the Jericho podcast, the thing that Cody and Jericho really stuck on was him saying in that because yes, that is what it was. Yeah. Is him saying something along the lines of like, like starting off that promo with, as the locker room leader, yeah. and like both of them were like. Who the fuck said you're lead me? Like you don't fucking lead me. And I me. think Jericho was in there. Booker might have been in there. Like there, there yeah, was like, those are the three people you hear in that yeah. story. And th- there was, yes, and and 
it was just something that I probably like I'll, I'll be I'll be completely honest with you, Ryan. I didn't listen to a fucking thing he said outside of like <laughs> it wasn't. I knew yeah. I was pissed off that I had to leave catering or wherever the fuck I was and what I was doing to go sit in this bullshit meeting for something I had nothing to do with. So like that's yeah, the like, kind of Yoshitatsu's yeah Yoshitatsu. It was so and it was Yoshitatsu had heat with everybody at that point up there, not giving people gas money for rides and fuck like it was. Yoshitatsu had heat with people? Yeah. Oh, people did. He went from being the most loved guy in developmental, this up-and-comer that couldn't speak English that everybody was rooting for, Ryan, to being like the biggest piece of shit on the main roster. Like, Yeah, where guys just fucking, like, he always asked for, he was like a freeloader. Like, he wanted free, like, he would ask to, like, you'd book a rental car and he'd ask for rides all week to the towns and not give guys gas money and, like, sharing hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... I never dealt with him directly. I always got along with Yoshitatsu. I get along with everybody. But I don't also, I, he, I think he asked me for a ride once and I just said no. Like I'm not even, because I knew that everyone already smartened me up to what was going on. So I just said no. I like to ride alone and listen to my books. Like, no, it's, you'll ruin my entire trip. So the, <laughs> no, so it was just ridiculousness, that entire thing. And I get what he, there was just a better way. And I'm sure Punk looking back at it now if he could probably change the the tone and what he said, he probably would on that. Mm-hmm. He was really, and I go back to this, when you're in that environment, like I said, he was miserable in my experiences working with him. Not because of me. It was because he was fucking hurt, working hurt, and WWE had issues with them. So he was pissed off. And I've been there where when you're pissed off at them, you're pissed off at everything. Yeah. And it's, so it's, I'm able to put myself in his mindset a little bit on that and understand it better even now and looking back at everything. But those guys like Jericho and Booker who had been there significantly longer in the business, significantly longer, they're not getting up there saying that either. And you, that should have been something that it was uh, a talent relations or, or had Vince or Hunter having that. The talent don't need to be, you know what I mean? Cause it, it was, yeah, totally. so it was the just boys, an awkward thing. The boys and none of, thing. Nobody's all their versions of it are all probably 100% correct. Everyone yeah. has, like I said, I, w- I honestly tuned out the majority of what was going on and just literally just fucking whistling in my head. Just like, just to, to just, I want to go eat, get me out of here. What are they doing to me on TV today? Like, just, I had my own problems. I don't, I didn't give a shit about Yoshitatsu's phone cord. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's so crazy. I think I've, I, I, I would never would have expected Yoshitatsu to have been a disliked person. He hated. So- I'm talking, no, loathed and hated. That's crazy. Yeah. That's good to know for the future. Everybody loved him, though, in developmental. And then he turned, he went from being the biggest baby face to the biggest heel because I'm telling you, it was, it was the gas money thing really rubbed people the wrong way. I, I mean, people do get mad when you're always bumming rides and you don't. Oh, nobody gas. likes a freeloader up there. It wasn't, everybody's in the same situation up there. Like, it's. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny you mentioned about punk, too. If he could go, you said the kind of like, if he could go back in time, maybe he'd have a different tone in that conversation. And, you know, in the end of the interview, he said, uh, I'm not that dude that sat down on a stage in Vegas eight years ago. I'm not the dude that left WWE. I'm, I'm not that guy. That was five years ago, Phil. I'm a different dude now. People still have that connotation like, oh, he hates WWE. And it's just like, no, I've let all that go. Yeah, and I've let all that go so long ago. But there are people that hold on to that. They still think or want me to be who I was. I'm not who I was yesterday. This is my journey. This 
is my odyssey. Um, he did say he did the whole anything is possible, though, at the end of like when it's like, do you think we'll see you in wrestling by 2020? And it was like anything is possible type yeah. thing. So he didn't say he expects it, but anything is possible. And you know what? If I just my looking through it all, like me trying to see if this is real or not, you know, or what what's going on here. My honest guess would be this is all a negotiation tactic that, you know, I, I hate to be the 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 pessimist in the situation. And I, I, I'd like to believe everything he says. But if he got an offer, my guess is he didn't love that offer. And that's why he's saying it out in the public. And he expected something a little bigger. And that's why he kind of is uh, saying that. Also, Punk randomly saying he doesn't hate WWE after all this time. Yeah. I'm like, no, but you got to understand, though, too. People... No, it makes me go, before you say that, yeah. it makes just me go look at it and go, CM Punk going, oh, I don't hate WWE now, makes the other side go, shit, we need to offer him more money because now WWE might want to offer him money. Yeah. No, that very, very, very possible. Also, though, and he's 40 years old now, um, I think Raj said last week, and it's like with me and my evolution and um, and just to use this as a reference, uh, back for my stuff, and, and I have unfinished business still. My goals are a lot different. I didn't even get to achieve a lot of my goals. I had to leave with the injuries. But I look back, and I had a lot of hate and resentment, and it was very personal to me, um, which is why even though I moved on and did other things, I still kept reliving those moments because I'd get asked about them, and I would retell them, or I would tell my perspective on it. But I hadn't fully let it go and forgave them. Um, and I had to change my mindset and my story. And I look at it too, like where if I look at it from a, an acting standpoint, uh, I had a goal and I had a dream of working this job and I was completely successful at it. I made it to the very top. I played every role to the best of my ability. What was asked, I succeeded. Now, if I look at it from a personal standpoint of my goals, I failed. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. It doesn't matter what opportunities they didn't let me have. Um, my goals that I had, I failed. Now I learned a lesson of that. Don't necessarily set goals that other people can control, but I had to let go of the anger and the resentment. I had to find my own way to do that is what I was getting at. And I think Phil being, he had a lot of hate and anger towards them for a long time. He's a very smart guy. I think he realized at the end of the day, he had too had moved on. And I think too with fans and I get the same thing. They, they keep reliving it and they keep bringing it back in your head. And they're the ones that end up sometimes having even the bigger problem with things. And I think Phil finally got to a place where he just let it all go. And he let it. And I, I honestly believe that because I was able to do it. And I had, I believe I had more hate with them with the lawsuit and everything than not headlining WrestleMania. Mine was much deeper in my opinion, at least to me. Still, well, he was involved in that lawsuit with them for yeah. And they, so I could have got, yeah, that's a whole different with them trying to bankrupt him. And like, that's yeah. a different, you know, that, that, that creates a deep hate for when that kind of stuff, it, it, there's no way, and you have to go through it and you got to survive it. And then you could, you can get your mind out of it as time goes on. So I believe him when he, when he says this, he had to let it go because what happens when you hold on to it, it doesn't hurt them any. It just ends up holding you back and hurting you when you hold on to it. And yep. it doesn't matter. Nobody could do anything about it. It's over with. All you could do is change your mindset and start writing the new chapters. If you keep going back and reading those old chapters, you can't change the outcome. You can't point the finger any more than it happened. Yep. Like there's, there's nothing, you know, it's like me. I wanted to be on muscle and fitness and flex and they, Hunter wouldn't let me twice. Okay. That didn't happen. 
I could keep talking about it. I can keep hating them for it. Or I could now figure out another way to make it happen at a different point in my life. Even though it's still it bothersome to see like, fuck, to see other people, but you can't do that. So I think Phil finally got to that point where he was able to just let it all go. And I do, but I do think partially, and I talked with Raj about this, he's 40 years old. There's a lot of young guys. I don't know what shape he's in, what condition. He's achieved everything in pro wrestling, essentially. That hunger and that competitive gene to turn that back on, I don't know. Like, and I don't, and I don't, because I don't know where his yeah, head no, is at. That makes sense. And for him, it's. I don't know how much damage the two UFC fights did to him in losing. I think it, from a man standpoint and an evolution standpoint, mentally, I think it worked wonders probably for him. I think it probably humbled him. And I think he was able to, he's, he's probably mentally far better than he's ever been. But I think just for how other people view him, maybe because the world is a cruel place, I commend him on everything he did in trying to go and do something else. And I think it's amazing. And I, I, I like I love that stuff too in the training and the fact that he just took a chance and said fuck it. I don't think it was for him, but it doesn't mean he can't do the training and be passionate about it because I think he really, really loves that stuff. I think he loves it more than wrestling now. If you feel that way, it's worth reading the interview because he talks about some of that stuff too in the interview. Really, uh, outside of wrestling, and he basically says like, like what should I have like, like are you asking me if I should have done small ass like. MMA fights in the middle of nowhere yeah. to like. Get him. He wasn't at no, the age I to do it. He like, took no, a chance. Like, yeah, he was like, I took a chance. Someone offered me a bunch of money and I thought I could do it. So I took a chance on myself. Like, and at the end of the day, he's like, I woke up the next day. I was fine. I was asleep next to my hot wife and yep. my cool dog in my dope apartment. And I brushed myself off. And I, he's like, I honestly kind of enjoy that being like, you know, failing and brushing myself off and then figuring out what's next for my life. And he was yeah. like, like, he's like, do I think I'm going to have another MMA, another UFC fight again? No, probably not. Do I still train every day like I am? Yeah, I do because I like it. It's something yeah. I enjoy. He's like, he's like, but to be honest with you, he's like, I'm waiting. And these aren't direct quotes where everybody's like, I'm just waiting for the call from UFC to fire. Like they're gonna fire me. He's like yeah. that. You know, I'm. I've been under contract for a while with them, and they're not. You know, I know that most fighters have like an allotment of they have to be offered a fight in a certain amount of times. Like I'm not on that deal. Yeah, they don't have to offer me a fight. I did things differently. And I'm totally okay with it. You know, he's like, yeah. it's totally me. You know, he also talked about, and probably something you deal with a lot was like, he's like, man, look, I know people want me to go certain things and do certain things, but he's like, I don't go around yelling at a gardener telling him that I want him to go work at Wendy's. I yeah. just accept the gardener and that's what he wants to do or that's what his life has brought him to, yeah. you know? And he's like, so I mean, like, I get it that people want to see me, but like, at the end of the day, like, I just want to do what makes me happy. And that's that. That's the thing. That's talking about that and hearing him talk about that. And I've heard different things. That's where I'm saying, like, to turn that back on for pro wrestling after going there, and like again, going out there and, and taking those fights, and overcoming that fear, and going and you could tell he enjoyed the whole fucking experience. Oh yeah, the rush, the, the to actually go out and really feel that real adrenaline rush. I'd imagine. And put yourself out there. Yeah, he made a shit ton of money, but he put himself on the line. I, anybody that goes and fights, man, that's why I get bothered when people don't respect it. He could have been, things could have been a million times worse with us. I still would respect that, just him going and doing that. It's like Swagger doing the same thing because you put yourself on the line and open yourself up to a world full of these people out there that are like, that judge you. They, they have, they'll never understand that, that, that it's the mindset of going for it. Failure is okay. It's like, Failure's cool. 
it's not. Oh yeah, failure is not cool though when you let it dictate the rest of your life and like stop you from doing everything. Most all the most successful people have failed time and time and time and time again. So the fact that that shows his mindset that he's willing to fail for success later on, and, and he, it's only a matter of time. And I say that respectfully, like he. But if he to go into wrestling again, like I think for him, he has to want to do it. But he might be better suited if to go and be in an advisor role there and working with people, you know, and being working closely with them. And it, it would be good to have him in one of those executive positions if he wanted to, where the, the guys didn't have to do it so they could wrestle. Because that's yep. going to be a real challenge for those guys moving forward with everything. I'm telling you. I've said the same thing to people, that they need an executive producer. They need to have someone who's going to be there yeah. 100%, not ever in the ring, 100% focused to, like, storyboarding and – connecting things and like yeah they very much need an and not to say producer. those guys can't do it but i just imagine if this thing keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger it's ten, a lot on their plate yeah there it's a lot on their plates and i think and maybe they will maybe that is the game maybe this is just the it's like me starting my business doing everything initially and the bigger it gets the more i've had to delegate responsibility and things and this could be the very same exact thing with all of that but punk has to want to go back i think he's smart he does does that interview like that? I think he's telling the truth, but maybe he doesn't know how he's going to feel in a year. You know, when I left WWE in my in in all that pain and everything for the first three years, there, two and a half years, my attitude was, I'm never going back. I'm never going like I was. Where now I've let go of all of that, and I'm able to just I was like, why would I hurt myself like that? As far as limiting what I can do with everything in my business and my podcast and. I do. There's lots of things that I do love there. Why would I hurt myself? I got all these people that want me to go back. They constantly remind me all the time and whatnot. But it's like I have goals I didn't get to achieve. And my outlook is just different. And I'm much more, I've learned to control my anger much better and try to communicate better. And I could see different things. And like I said, for me with wrestling, I just, it was really hard for me to accept blame on an acting thing because I was looking at it when you look at it from that. But then I just accepted the blame. And for me to accept the blame, it took a lot of deep thought on this. I was like, okay, it is my fault. And it's my fault strictly for the fact that those were my goals and I didn't achieve my goals. So I didn't find a way to get things to go my way, even though I was just doing what I was told. I did try. And the other other option was probably get fired earlier. But I just, you know, okay, maybe I could have communicated different on this. Because that was the only way for me to get past it. It's the only, cause you yep. have to, and that you, you hear it all the time. And I think punk just accepted everything for what it was. And, and I think he was able just to process everything and let it all go. And I think he's in a great place mentally, personally, like, and I said, doing the training and stuff. I think everyone, you don't, not everyone has to go fight. Like he got offered a shit ton of money, but like just going and doing the training it just the, the skill and the art of it. And in the confidence that it gives you and the respect and you have a tight knit family with guys I trained with here, it's like, it, there's nothing fucking greater than it. So as long as he's doing what makes him happy and he'll see what his options are, I think. And I too, AEW doing text offers. I don't know. That's how, random. Yeah. Weird. I would, I don't know why Tony just wouldn't call him. It's the first thing I thought when I read that, I thought, dude, if Tony showed up to CM Punk's front door yeah, in Chicago. presented an offer to him. Wait, a million dollar offer in his hand, CM Punk would sign it if that's allowable with his UFC <laughs> contract. He would. Or sign I just it. think at least it's different than, and you know, maybe it's them. They didn't, and maybe in AEW's defense, they just figured 
there's no chance. We'll just throw a, a text offer and see what his vibe is on it. Maybe that could have been a thing. But now maybe, maybe. that there seems to be, I would think their next play was if you are going to do it, maybe a phone call or an in-person meeting. That would I would say you know getting a call from Tony would probably be the right move if they want. But I think and just to see to talk and see where his head's at, and maybe they have. I don't know, but I don't. It, it sounds like they haven't, from what I've been told. It yeah. sounds like that hasn't happened. Uh, and last thing I want to mention on this subject, only because I'm interested on it based off of this whole conversation we've had, letting go and you know apologies and all yeah. those kinds of things. Do you think that you and CM Punk could ever? Like, have a combo again? Like, do you think if you saw him somewhere, you'd say Absolutely. something to him? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I don't, man. And I talk about it. People are like, I can't believe you talk about him after he, he, uh, everything he said. And I think I've been mature enough for a while. And I, I, a lot of what he said, WWE, you know, I could have been involved in that lawsuit with the steroid things. They'd asked me, Dr. Amen. He asked mm-hmm. me if I wanted to go in on it with him during that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And which I remember at the time, I was just like, no, it's just going to be negative. I was like, I didn't want to even get involved in anything with a lawsuit or attorneys and like, and whatnot. And, but it, it, that was so, I look at it from, so punk and punk doesn't know me well enough outside. And I, I told you, I can look back and see his anger with WWE and he's working hurt already. And then he has to wrestle me and I'm a physical wrestler. I've never heard anybody in there outside of him talking about hurting him and whatnot. And it could have been like, I remember giving him a body slam and it, he was hurt. And I wasn't, it was a body slam. He was just so beat up. But I look back at it and I'm more understanding of the guy who was just miserable and, and whatnot. And I don't know what his vibe, he can, I think the steroid guy stuff was completely unacceptable. But, and, and again, he does he call Eddie Guerrero steroid guy, Chris Benoit steroid guy. Those are legit steroid users, by the way. Legit. Yep. Everybody yep. Out, and a lot of other guys that he worked with up there, legit steroid guys. I've been on TRT since I was 28, doctor supervised within normal limits, and I've not taken steroids since from the age of 20 to 24 mildly, which I just put my heart test up. My, they were perfect, which I wouldn't I have saw. a perfect heart. I wouldn't have that if I was abusing steroids and drugs. I know he's wrong, so I don't have it's, it's all his own insecurities on that. Yep. And I, that's another thing for me that I've learned is not to give uh, power to other people to make me angry anymore. And I can look at it and be more sympathetic and feel empathy towards him because I see it's human nature. When you see a guy that looks better than you, the first thing everybody does is, oh, they're on steroids. Everybody. I even see in guys in the fitness industry that I don't know for sure if they're not. They say they're natural. I've heard different on, from different people. <laughs> but my yeah. first instinct is, oh, they look better than me or I think they look better than me. They're on steroids. So even I have those things from people. Yeah, so fair. I understand when people that don't look like me don't understand I work out three, four hours a day since I was 12 years old and that my constant life revolves around. So you were 12? You yeah, worked out that Like That's crazy. 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 In my bedroom. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, but it's me. It's like there's not a lot of people like that. And it's, yeah, no, that's so crazy. So when people see me, once you see me and are around me, you go, holy fuck, the work ethic. People feel it right away when they actually can see me. If you don't see me and you're just looking at me and you see everything else on social media, it's easy just to say, oh, steroids, because yeah. you don't know the story and you don't know the mindset. So I it's look also at funny though, people say steroids like you just take steroids and you're fucking buff, you know, yeah. like I don't think people realize that's not how it works. No, but it is. But there are a lot of people that do take a lot of them that live very shitty lifestyles. They do. You can take them and not do anything still. You really, really not can. work at all. Yeah. You can just shoot. And Absolutely. Not, not once. And yeah. 
Won't you just get fat if that happens? No, you can. There's people that will get. I'm telling you, there's people that do that and drink all the time. They work out like shit. It's like, but they're not. They're not. They're not. Now, if you're talking about like top level, like fitness people, no, that doesn't go on. No, and no. I'm talking like I've seen a guy just died in Vegas. He was a trainer to fitness girls. He had these fitness girls. I know. I found out from a, a girl I know at the gym taking all these massive amounts of drugs. He was just this big, fat, veiny guy. He died of a heart attack. All these people are dropping dead now in 30s and 40s because they're just fucking pumping. They're drinking all the time, doing recreational drugs. And it's a, Jeez. So, but going back to punk, I would absolutely yeah. love to have a discussion with the both of us with our mindsets now. I think it would be a really enlightening discussion and whatnot. And I don't, I don't know. He could say... he. I've taken the power away from everybody from controlling my emotions anymore. It's just really, I, I'm in a different place now. And I told that book really, really helped me. I just did a podcast with this guy, Bradley, this super successful, wealthy fucking guy. He's like with Grant Cardone. He knows, like, he works with Tony Robbins, these guys. Mm-hmm. I went to his uh, podcast thing here in Vegas yesterday. Like that's, those guys, they all have the same mindsets. It's all the same things. They all say the same things. And I've been around that enough and I'm starting to get around it more and more on the business end. And I've realized just like I've grown, I've always told you like Hulk is a good example of me. I'm very calm. And then, but it was like, there was no in between with me. It's very calm and happy. And then it's just fucking kill smash. (laughs) And uh, no, and that's a real problem though, because that kill smash allowed me to be super successful in a lot of physical things, but maybe it wasn't the best for a lot of different interactions. And uh, in so I've had to learn to kind of fill that gap as I've gotten older and whatnot and communicate. And I think we I think we could would have a good discussion, honestly. If it that picture would that picture would break the internet of you two like posing together or something like that. Yeah. Or, like caption stupid or something like that. Or like like me and the, wait, me and the Chris Van Vliet photo where I'm like choking Chris. It's just me and Punk choking <laughs> each other. So We're like, stupid now. <laughs> uh, okay, so then also... I'd split the uh, podcast 50-50 with him if we do it. Oh, God, that'd be awesome. Oh, I would God. love that. I would, dude, I'm open to anything. I'm getting everybody on here. I got doctors. Why wouldn't I get CM Punk? I think it would be a good... I think we'd have a good conversation. Oh, that would be... I would love I don't know hostility it. anymore. Like, I don't... I understand everything. I'm just like, nobody else thought that about me. You know, there, we had things. He he stiffed me on some things in there. It, it, I never cared and whatnot. Yeah. So I'm I'm the most laid back guy, like I said, on most of the time. I'm learning to fill in the gaps. Of, yeah. uh, so, but I wish him nothing but the best. I think he's great for wrestling if he has that love and passion still for it. I don't think I think he has a lot of knowledge to offer guys. But I've talked about the top guys before tend not to stick around the business. So, I don't true. Know. Makes sense. Okay, and then uh, also this week was the Raw reunion, and you know a lot of people were confused when Seth Rollins was the guy that DX and ever and the Click or the NWO whatever were all kind of um, backing up uh, against the OC or the club, yeah. uh, the OC as they're called now, and OC. Um, because because I think everyone was confused because. You know, there's you know, Rollins and Triple H have feuded for a uh, you know a long time now. There's like yeah. this whole thing between them, and now they're like boys for one night only against the OC. But it turns out that's because Ricochet was supposed to be in that spot. That had been ri- that had really? been written so that it was going to be Ricochet. Ricochet was going to be getting the rub from DX and from the Click, uh. but. But but apparently he got an elbow infection right before like a like some kind of like staff maybe or something like that. That's what happened and to my so knee. Had... That is very serious and you can't. It blows up right away. 
Yep, yep. And so he was they they had to make a last minute change to have it be uh, to have it be Seth Rollins instead, so that uh. it would kind of make sense. And so that explains why he, you know, why they, you know, why that was used. Okay, for I, Seth I, I did think that I enjoyed everything. Honestly, watching, I and I, no, I'm not even gonna lie. I actually, I can't do it. I tried it. I uh, went and bought some CBD at the marijuana store here in Vegas. I took an edible before Raw Reunion, Ryan. Nice. And uh, I'm very honest about this. I don't do. I don't. I don't like marijuana particularly. And uh, I was a mess for the entire. I was uh, severe paranoia and anxiety watching the entire show. But I enjoyed every person they had on there. Like I was like I was legitimately happy to see. I was like, oh, Santino. But I'm sitting there. But I was overthinking everything, Ryan, during the entire thing. I can't do. I got like the hybrid mix. And uh, I thought I was going to be cool. I go, I'll just do one. I'm going to try it for my balls because of the pain. I was seeing yeah. it actually amplified the pain in my balls too. Did it? Yeah, because it made me oh. feel it even more. So oh. I was like just sitting there. I, I honestly I sat there for the entire three hours. First time I've watched the entire three hours. And uh, <laughs> I did even think watching that on an edible, I was, I, I did, I was like, okay, it was, it was, it was a little odd with all of it with, and I didn't quite, that would have been a perfect thing for Ricochet to really give him the rub with all those guys. That would have mm-hmm. been huge, but wasn't the time. It's crazy how an injury or something will pop up and it's just like, it just wasn't the right time. So no. maybe it would have, maybe it would have caused backlash for him. You never know. People will be like, Oh, they're shoving them down our throats. Now you never it's true. Very true. So maybe by fate, he's being protected by the gods above and the staff God fucking, Stuck his elbow. <laughs> I feel demon. like there's no such thing as the staff guard. Yeah, staff demon. That staff demon. The staff demon reached up and fucking got her. Yeah, good good point, Ryan. That's, you got me. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> um, also, okay, when you were watching it, did you feel kind of like they were burying the OC a little bit by having all these old guys scare them away? Um, so me and Raj talked about how it would have been great for them to to get over on on – DX or something and leave them lay up lay them out and with older guys uh they had so many guys out there for it I don't think I think it was a numbers thing and I think WWE did a good job and I actually saw somebody made a comment on my YouTube there that actually brought up a really really good point that you got to look what are the plans for the OC do you think the OC are going to be booked like the shield probably not I, in my opinion, how Luke Agreed. and is, they're just using them good because they re-signed for a bit, giving AJ something to do. But Luke and Carl have never been two guys that they have used great Feature. It, yeah, it, for a period of time. And I've talked about this. When they re-sign guys, they'll book you better to get you to re-sign, and they'll leave it going for a while, and then things will kind of usually drop off. If you're not it's in that. I thought, it's the first thing I thought of when I was watching, when, when they started using them again yeah. because of our conversation. That, so that would not, if that was the Shield back when the Shield debuted, that would not have happened because those guys were get, like, in the, so that just tells me that they're not heavily invested in the OC as much as they were as the Shield. They could still be invested in them, obviously. But what they're doing, they, they protected them still because they did, they put all the legends out there. So it was a numbers situation more than anything, in my opinion, where that was the where they get the rub from being around them to a degree, but they don't get the full rub because it was that now if it was just DX and DX or just Hall and Nash and they and they took it took them all out, now you're going, fuck, that too much. But Yeah, agreed. 
you got some totally brought up agree. a point though that these are all like WWE outside of the NWO WWE created Hall of Fame things. They're not, and Vince still feels like he created Hall of Nash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you don't like in the the OC in the club that wasn't a WWE creation. So they're never, ever, 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 ever going. They've never done it. They never will. Why would from a business? Why would you? You're showing that your product is then lower than an outside product. Yeah. Why yeah. would they do it? So, well, I do think that's why they're calling them the OC now to try yeah. and so Vince feels it's like the team it. he put together, you know. Yeah. Um, the reason I asked you about the barrel thing, though, is I did think it was funny because um, X Pac, uh, you know, he has his weekly podcast, X Pac uh, One Two Three Sixty, and he had Scott Hall on this week, and they talked about the segment, and they said that the that whole room of guys, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, um, Hall and Nash, uh, Road Dog. Uh, himself, X Pac, uh, that that when Vince told, well, he didn't say he didn't name Vince, but he said when the room full of guys, when they were told uh, what they were going to be doing with the OC, they all were like, uh, "Well, aren't we kind of burying the OC if we do that?" And that they all like brought it to Vince's attention, and that Vince overruled them and said, "Nope, it's fine, all good." <laughs> you know, so yeah. I think that lends itself to what you were saying there that he doesn't see them in that way, anyways. No, and if he doesn't, there's nothing so he could do. That's mm-hmm. so, and that's and that's the reality of the situation. I always go back and go back to the Shield, how the Shield is booked, how that was the first time we've seen in a long time a group be really ultra protected in a way, uh, time and time and time and time again. And they would never have been put in that situation. Or if they were, they would have left everybody laying. We've, which we've seen the Shield versus the whole roster at times. If you don't yep. get multiple occasions. So that goes and, show, and they've done it with Orton and Cena. Two creations of theirs protected against the whole roster. They will throw the whole roster away for uh, for a protected group. So Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and lastly here, I want to get into... Um, this is a little bit of a spoiler for people who are uh, listening. So SummerSlam spoiler. Can I yeah, say one thing right before? Yeah. I do want to shout out to Stone Cold Steve Austin with that. I thought, man, I dug that promo at the end because I felt oh, like, hey. you know, and it, I'll tell you why is because I felt like it wasn't a written promo and it just came off very authentic and real. I thought that was worth the reunion thing on its own. I thought so just to say, and I thought everybody did a great job that showed up. I thought the WWE actually incorporated a lot of the people well for what they could. Cause that's not easy getting all that talent onto a show. And I think people, like I saw some negative things. I thought, again, I had an edible though. So maybe that influenced, I enjoyed seeing the people. I back, enjoyed so. the hell out of you. Yeah. Just, I just wanted to, to, to close that off. But, and I thought stone cold was, uh, was on point. Looked like he hasn't missed a beat as far as promos or anything. So. I mean, like, I get that people wanted to see maybe more storyline development, including the legends in there and stuff. But, like, at the same time, like, a lot of these guys aren't being cleared for contact. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, that's just it, – it, that's not what the show was for. The show yeah. was for just a fun kind of, like, hey, remember all these people mixed in with, like, a little bit of, you know, storyline yeah. stuff that's current. <laughs> I thought they jumped it. And I honestly feel like the 24-7 title really helped Me too. them – have a fun way to use the legends throughout the night. That I was saying, thinking the same thing, watching all of that. They, they, they honestly, they did a good job with getting everybody. It's not just imagine organizing that whole thing. People all showing back up for the first time in years, and like it's everybody has their own issues and problems. You got all the regular current talent, 
And like it's and those Tampa's like the backstage. I mean, it's a big arena, but backstage like the rooms are smaller back there. So I was like, how the fuck did they get everybody into all those things? Because the locker rooms <laughs> are kind of small compared to getting everybody in there. So man, it's apparently they had like a legends lounge at uh, the thing. Like that that room they were showing wasn't it, but they had something like that okay. where it was like full food spread for all the legends and like drinks and fancy chairs uh, for them good. to sit in. I'm that sure kind that of was thing. a cool day for a lot of those guys to be able to go back. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Dude. And Stone Cold's so awesome, dude. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're right. That promo was great. You, you go like, God, Stone Cold's the best. I literally, you know, I was, was the emotion. Was over, the best. It is. 100%. That, and that's what's missing is the emotion. That's why I always, you just, that emotion, you need that. It makes it so much more real and you don't have to do all the other shit when you have emotion. And that's that's a lesson I'm telling you. It's it's a very um, it's a real thing. So and that's what draws people eyes to the product is emotion. I started dying of laughter when he was like, "How many minutes we got left? Two minutes? Let me tell you about Gerald Briscoe in South Africa." And you're like, "What is he even talking about? I love this. This is great." I, just that was. So cool. I'm not gonna lie. I when I heard that when he when they told him he had one minute and then he was gonna go into a story into South Africa, I was just thinking like, "This isn't gonna get in in a minute." Like that was not the the direction <laughs> to go, and it didn't matter because it was so sporadic. That's what made it awesome. Because it, it, he totally was probably I picture him really drunk too. And then, like, minute, 60 seconds, South Africa. This fucking 10-minute story, or that would take three hours to tell at the bar. It, like, popped in his head. I thought it was fucking great. It was so good. I loved it. And I, was, and I said to my girlfriend when we were watching, I was like, are they going to do, like, the Oscars? Like, you can't, you can't play the music on the Best Picture winner to, like, usher them off the stage. I was like, are they going to? play the music on Stone Cold and sure enough he's like oh they're telling me you gotta go dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh I love it it's just such a uh, it was just like oh I loved it it was classic Stone Cold La- classic man him back is not a bad thing at all just Look, great shape too man he, yeah, looks, he, he looks great, great shape. I yeah. don't know I wonder, I wonder if he I'm gonna have to talk to him again here I need to get him on the podcast the I'm going down to that bio accelerators with everything, they're paying for everything for a few of us. Kevin Nash is going with me. I'm hoping I got podcast equipment I'm taking down. I don't know. Hopefully, oh, maybe yeah. get some time with him because they're filming both of us documenting everything actually to present to Triple H and WWE because <laughs> they're going to be working with them. So and I, uh, <laughs> I'll make sure that I mention I paid for everything up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> get Nash, get Nash to talk about get, talk about Hunter with me. No. It'll be yeah. uh, reminiscing about the good times, you know? So yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward, but like, hopefully I, I'm curious if he's had any of that done, I, but he's had his neck fused and I don't know what back issues and, but age, and it, it, but man, it just him back in just a, a talking role, even stunner here and there. Not a bad thing. Oh, I thought the same thing while watching him and like, Owens would like, have been like, a great yeah. fucking thing to have an interaction with too. I can't believe they didn't have like a moment where he and Stone Cold were stunning people. I was like so confused. That would be honestly the way you do that to protect them so they don't have to go anything with each other is fucking Owens doing a promo in the ring, hit that fucking glass shattering. Austin comes out, it looks like they're gonna fucking go at it. You bring whoever fucking Kevin's involved or whoever, bring the heels Shane. all out. Yeah. Bring surround the ring and then fucking just stunners around the horn with them together. Do beers and then maybe Austin stunners KO after then leaves. I was, I mean, you want that to happen when Stone Cold doing that with anyone, yeah, but yeah. you're like, oh shit. But I thought the same thing. Like you literally could have, man. I what I wanted to see was 
like Kevin Owens and Shane in the ring or whatever, and he and and, and Stone Cold like the three of them, and Kevin Owens hits the stunner, and Shane pops up, and then then Stone Cold hits the stunner, and they literally Shane just keeps popping up, and they keep just rotating yeah. stunners on but Shane. But you that could do too when you did that, and this is just all just hypothetical. To yeah, give Kevin yeah, the rub because that's Kevin. It's crazy because nobody really was going to be able to do the stunner and get away with it. If Kevin would have came up there and did that from day one, he wanted to wanted to have worked. Nobody would accept no. it. But he he's been up there long enough where it's people aren't mad at it with him like they would no. be with anybody else. That would be a good way to do something like that with them, even not on the just in the future where they do that stunners around the horn together, do the beers, fucking Austin stunners and leaves. Kevin's pulling himself up. Austin goes back in there though and fucking shakes his hand. They do the fucking double arm raise. Kind that's of, that's that's good. That's better. Because then 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 now Austin's coming back and kind of giving his approval on him doing the stunner. Look, we fucking work together. I fucking got you, but you can have it now. My time is done. And then it like gives people like kind of like a feel good moment where Kevin would be more over at the end of that. So yeah, you're right. That's good. That's good. That I'm very good. creative, Ryan. I should be sitting in those production meetings writing. <laughs> very creative mind. I know how to get people over. Because <laughs> I was thinking, well, fuck. If Stone Cold just stuns Kevin Owens, then it ruins the whole thing. But if he then is like, he no, has, yeah, like, second thoughts. Like, that, he's learned an older age. You don't leave. You don't. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, lastly, speaking of uh, legends. Um, Trish Stratus is going to be returning at SummerSlam. Uh, Trish Stratus is going to be wrestling at SummerSlam in a singles match. Uh, I broke the story on the site this week that she's likely to wrestle at SummerSlam, but from what I've heard, it's 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 pretty much a lock. Uh, Post wrestling also confirmed that it's 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 happening. It's against uh, she's going to be wrestling against Charlotte. Charlotte versus Trish Stratus in Trish Stratus' hometown of Toronto. Very interesting. I did not know that. That is uh... how old is Trish now? Mm, let me look that up. That's a good question. Um, because she, you know, even though she's a Hall of Famer, she's not retired. You know, she's a she's still technically in Working, action. She's still, taking indie dates. Well, she's not taking indie dates. <laughs> no, but she I don't. Has, like hung up her boots, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah. She's never officially retired. Forty-three. Okay. No, she's young still. I mean, yeah. I didn't. I thought she would. She doesn't look older, but I, I don't know why. Because I grew up watching her, so I figured she was. Man, well, that that era, you know, a lot of them are. You, they got they made at, enough money to retire young. <laughs> yeah, well, look at me. Look at I, this week when you look at uh, Raw and you see Kelly Kelly, and you're like, dude, Kelly Kelly looks amazing. Wait, how? And you go, wait, she's younger than Charlotte. Yeah, what? You go, That's yeah, crazy. I mean, they, they hired her and Alicia Fox at 18 years old. That's crazy. We because we all got the the we were all told they were off limits. That because they were hired John Laurinaitis's models, which made them instantly uh, interesting to me. Inst- instantly made them attra- even more attractive to everybody because they were said they were <laughs> off limits. And then after the shortly, they had a, you know, me and Kelly and OVW for a bit. But it was uh, the what? You dated Kelly? It was like a weird. I can't. I'm not going to go into details of it because of this. Because yeah, yeah, I've, I've never. But, uh, I it was for a bit. She she's a fucking great girl, man. Everyone loves her. She yeah, got called up to the main roster though, and then it was just I was a mess at the time. I was at OVW. I was so mind fucked from Deep South Wrestling, and it was like get down, Bill. I just got through Demott, and then Demott was the one that said they were off limits. By the way, so then when I got to OVW and she was there, and then I noticed she did a promo with me one day, and I kind of was, that was it for me. I was she won me over. 
And I had long blonde hair too. She liked me. I had long blonde hair. I had the long blonde hair. I looked uh I looked pretty ridiculous. And I uh, forgot about your I forgot what Dr. Jarrell Silvers. Which Cody with all was a part of that creation down there with that. But uh no, man, they 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 get in young and then in time she's only thirty She's in her thirty. Yeah, she's what, like thirty one or she's young. Yeah. She's like my age, I think. Yeah, thirty one or two. Okay, yeah, yeah. So But yeah. The, and I had the same thing. I, I go like, man, I grew up watching her. I'm like, she was my age when I was watching her, you know. I think that's a good match. Uh, hopefully Trish is uh They'll they'll do well together. Trish is very athletic and able to do that stuff. So I'm sure she keeps herself in great shape and she's training and and I didn't I had no idea about that. So I think that's cool. And I'm assuming since since like she's been training and and you know she's had a few tag matches here and there. Um, I'm assuming she's known about this one for a minute, yeah. that, that, or at least been planning for this for a minute. Um, and yeah, I mean I think that Trish Stratus and Charlotte, you know, kind of like. Era versus era kind of thing could be a bomb, it could be a dope match for some absolutely players. no I I agree especially if they get some time together to kind of get down what they want to do and uh, I think they'll have a great match Charlotte's very talented so did you see too I was going to ask you the I just saw did uh is it uh, the Uso um, oh yeah Jimmy was it John Jim yeah yeah John you got DUI He's too me, right yeah John yeah. Yeah, you got another DUI, yeah. How many have do they how many for each of them? Because me and Raj just talked about Jeff last week. It's like three and two, I think. So, or maybe yeah. And he I was think pretty like bad in this one, supposedly, right? Was it Yeah, I mean I didn't really I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to like focus more on like the wrestling, wrestling the part of it, side. yeah. So I, I, I <clears> didn't I'm trying to work less on arrests and like double you know, all those kinds of things. But more personal I, things, yeah. No, that's yeah, good actually. That's actually I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, but not, yeah, from what I read, he yeah, it was like I think it was like three in the morning, he got pulled over. Um and I, the more details came out today where I guess he like he they they tried to have a breathalyzer test and he didn't want to do it. So then they asked if they could take him somewhere else and then they they booked him into custody. And he was like filming them on his phone. It's it did seem like a, uh, it seemed a little messy. I'll be honest. I hope he goes. To, I hope he gets some help for drinking. You know, like I that that's how I look at this thing. You know, yeah. I know that it sucks. The whole situation sucks. But I really hope that he I don't gets know. Some what, sort no, of help I love them. The Usos are great guys. They're actually really really they're really really good human beings. I was talking to Raj about uh, Jeff and just how, like, you, usually it's alcohol, uh, chewing tobacco, marijuana, and women are kind of like the you get kind of attached to stuff or one of them because the, the life on the road, constantly living on the road, and um, drinking's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with drinking, like guys. No. Like, like, but I think that like um, you just got to be careful, and you know, I know Bill Demott and his daughter was killed by a drunk driver and he's very passionate about that. And I think in like cash isn't an issue like Uber, you got to be really, really. And again, though, there's times when you get so drunk and you make mistakes, you don't mean to even drive. There's like, that's been, that is a thing. You don't even know what you're doing, but getting belligerent. So it comes down to hopefully I love those guys. I think they're, I, I wouldn't hate to see any of them lose their jobs. For anything. I doubt they lose their job over this because I mean, like at this point, especially after they make fun of them on TV over it. Yeah, no. But um, my thing is that it comes down to putting yourself in a position. You could 
not just ruin your life, but somebody else's life. That that's where you got to be. You know, just Uber. Lift whatever. I hate drinking and driving, and he's not even on the road. You no. can't say like, "Oh, he's in a different town." And nothing. He was. He lives in Florida. Like he was in Florida. And I don't no, think no, he was no. I love those guys, but I'm just. And this is. And I think there's nobody that probably feels worse. But I was just. You gotta, man. It's. You gotta be careful with that because it's it, it, all it takes is one mistake to ruin the rest of your life. Like as far as something like that in in killing somebody, yourself, anybody. It's just. And I don't. They're they're good human beings. So. I just saw that. I was just like, man, that's one time when you mistakes made over and over again are decisions. They say like absolutely, this, absolutely, so and I and I agree with you that you know, yeah, cool. You know, no one got hurt these t- few yeah, times. But positives like, of it, yes. You, know, you don't, you don't know. Like the next time, you could kill someone. You could die. Like you have a family. Yeah, it's like that's what I was saying. Because so it seemed dumb. like it was pretty bad. Like as far as the levels, and I don't know what that's just going off. I saw a thing too, and I just was like, I don't. Just Uber, man. It's just yeah, it's just scary. Uber yeah. indeed. I yeah, yeah. I, I'm completely with you there. Good deal. Anything all you right, want to go ahead and plug? Uh, ProWrestlingSheet.com. That's my website. You can find all the top stories in the world of professional wrestling there at Wrestling Sheet on social media. I'm at Ryan Satin on social media. YouTube.com/slash C/slash Wrestling Sheet. That's where you can find all the shows I do, or just search Wrestling Sheet Radio on all the major podcast platforms. Good deal, Ryan. Well, thank you as always. And guys, we'll be right back after these messages. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. Summer is approaching fast and now is the time to not only get your diet on track, but also stock up on Feed Me More Nutrition. You can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. Whether you're looking for long-lasting clean energy with our Wake Up Unlimited Energy, available in pink lemonade and our new green apple, melting fat off of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, or getting a great night's rest with our powerful all-natural GTS Go to Sleep. Feed Me More Nutrition has you covered with seven different products that contain no artificial colors or sweeteners and use more natural ingredients that work synergistically to give you the results you deserve. Available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Feed Me More. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback. And I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals, and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. 
Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. Fuelmeals.com. Feed me more. All right, back here, guys. Uh, this week we have we've had a long show this week, and uh, I am extremely busy. I'm actually shooting. Uh, I got to shoot down across town shortly. I got to go get an ultrasound um, done. What I was telling you guys about I, when I strained uh, or the scar tissue popped with the groin deal, and uh, they got to do an ultrasound on my right testicle, and uh, just to be sure before I fly out to Columbia for my stem cells tomorrow. So. We're going to, just with the show, as far as uh, content-wise, we're going to hold off on uh, my top three and the nutrition tip and uh, the motivational thought of the week to kind of keep the show within the two-and-a-half-hour range because otherwise we're going we're gonna to go significantly over. And uh, with my schedule here with the week, um, it's going to be pretty busy. I got, there's, I think Kevin Nash is going to be out there with me. Um, so I'm hoping to, uh, to maybe maybe get a little interview time with him. I don't know, but uh, I got a traveling podcast equipment for when I'm going to be traveling more. I got all that. So uh, I can leave the studio here at home. And if I can get interviews, I know Jericho does that and takes his around. It allows you, gives you more opportunities to get more interviews. So, um, and then also with the doctor, one of the doctors that are going to be performing the stem cells on me, uh, I think she would be open, I was told, to uh, having an interview with me and to kind of explain what we're doing with me, rebuilding Ryback. And uh, so, yeah, huge, huge shout out, guys, as always, to the sponsor to this show, uh, Bio Accelerator. You can give them a follow, follow on Instagram, Bio Accelerator. Uh, they're the global leader guys in stem cell therapy. They uh, offer a state-of-the-art medical facility with the ability to treat patients with tens of millions of active adult stem cells to help them recover from injury and major medical complications. This is a company that reached out to me. They're paying for all of my treatment. They're looking to work out deals, hopefully, with WWE, the UFC, uh, possibly the professional you know, NFL uh, leagues, NBA, all these different organizations um, they're, they're really, really going hard in the paint, as we say, uh, to make a name for themselves with what they are offering and then the healing capa- capabilities of the stem cells. They're going over the, they're doing my, my back, my right shoulder and my left leg that I lost, um, function of my big toe in for my ankle injury. It never got fully regenerated and my ankle, I don't have the, the same exact strength as my right foot. I guess you could say it would be a very mild, partial drop foot, very mild, very, but my big toe does not go up and I have like the inside of my foot never fully regenerated. Um, So I had balance issues and like when you ever saw me, like I used to be able to go to the top rope and stand up there and walk and squat and deep. My first year in wrestling, I would, we'd have to do drills and I'd be able to squat on the ropes while guys were hitting the ropes and we had to do these drills in deep South wrestling. I lost my ability on when I get on wobbly things or like if I get on a BOSU ball or when I'd go to climb. If you ever watch me as Ryback climb to the top rope, I would have to be very careful because my left foot would start shaking uncontrollably because I don't have the strength and the balance in it that I had before because all the nerves didn't regenerate. So when I would start doing those splashes, I was always able to jump and do things, but I'd have to put my right foot typically on the metal that's on that top turnbuckle to give myself something really solid to stand on and keep almost all the weight on my right leg 
And that was my way of just dealing with my, what I was, became a little more limited with my movement. Um, and I would, I would not be able to stand up there on, if I would try to stay balanced on the ropes with both my feet, it was really difficult because my left leg was just shaking and it would throw off my balance because I would have to put more weight on my right foot on the white, on the right rope which would then make that rope bend and like wobble more and go down. It would throw me off. And then when my weight, if I would try to reshift it, then my left foot, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same. So I always had to find these little things to do. And it always bothered me because I always was really athletic and fast up until this. And I could still actually run really well, but it's, it's my, my movement is not the same. And they have the capabilities to regenerate my ankle, they believe, to where it's pretty crazy that if I can get back my athletic ability that I had when I was younger and my back and shoulder are completely healed, I think you're going to see the best version of myself I've ever been, possibly going on 38 years old, 37 at the time right now. So, Because other than that, I feel great. So, But BioAccelerator, guys, uh, huge thank you to them. They're working with Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, Kevin Nash, Ray Mysterio, and myself. You can contact BioAccelerator. Ask for my personal friend, the guy that's handled all of this with me, David Truitt. He will help you through the entire process, the consultation. Start your path to wellness. It's www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com. That's B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback Reeves. Go ahead and do that, guys. Get that in there, and uh, David will take care of you. David is also on Instagram as well. So if you have any questions, he's on my, I'm following him on Instagram, David Truitt. And uh, if you look at any of my posts on BioAccelerator, and there will be many more as we go forward here, guys, as they are a major uh, sponsor of this podcast and uh, like I said, they are, they are helping the big guy rebuilding Ryback. So big, 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 huge thank you to BioAccelerator. Moving on, big thank you to Wiretap Radio, CLNS Media, a wrestling historian, the wrestling classic as well. Thank you to our sponsors, betonline.ag, clnsmedia.com slash Ryback. Use the code CLNS50, guys, to save 50%. Added to your sports betting bankroll on your first ever deposit on betonline.ag. They're a major sponsor of this podcast as well. So if you're into betting, you're in that whole, your whole world, not my thing. I'm not involved. I don't know a lot about it growing up in Vegas. But betonline.ag for all your betting needs on that, guys, for that. Moving on. Big thank you to Real Good Foods. Real Good Foods save 15%. With discount code Ryback, realgoodfoods.com. They have keto pizza, low-carb pizza, cauliflower pizza, keto enchiladas, keto uh, breakfast sandwiches, and keto jalapeno poppers. Realgoodfoods.com. You can save 15% with that, guys. Fuel Meals, fuelmeals.com, my personal meal prep service. Save 15% with discount code the big guy. Chicken, steak, broccoli, vegetables, eating. Guys, you can eat healthy. And at a very affordable price, eight to ten dollars for a lot of the meals, um, huge good portions. You're, I mean, you're getting full meals out of these, and uh, it makes it very convenient. They deliver it fresh on ice to your doorstep. I've been with them for years. I used them for years before I signed on with them. <clears throat> There's a lot of meal prep companies out there. 
this is the one that I personally chose and chose to work with because, and I, I like their food and they've helped me out a lot and it's convenient and it's tasty, it's healthy. And uh, they, have, they have other options on there as well that can help fit into your caloric needs uh, and your macro needs depending on, on your carb and fat and protein intake. So fuelmeals.com, 15% discount code, the big guy. Feed Me More Nutrition available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. You can save 25% with discount code PODCAST25. Your reviews are greatly appreciated on Amazon, guys, as we continue to grow and evolve with this. The ISO Hungry Fruity Cereal Protein will be out here in the week that I get back from Columbia on, I believe, the week of August 5th. We will have that and get that stored and up on the website and shipped out to Amazon ASAP. And uh, so the fruity cereal, Iso, Iso Hungry, will be running with two strong proteins. Once again, we got our brain feed formula. Uh, we're getting the purchase order put in for that. The labels have just been finalized. Hopefully in the next four to six weeks, the brain feed formula, the badass brain supplement, guys, is going to be coming in. I think you guys are really, really going to dig that one. And uh, continuing to grow and just it's hustling day in, day out. I just went and did the uh, Bradley Dropping Bombs podcast and uh, I was talking about him earlier. This guy, he's uh, super successful, super cool guy. Give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, Bradley, he, I'm following him if you need to find him on my page. He has the Dropping Bombs podcast. If you can go ahead and subscribe to that. He's a lot like Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone. He works with guys like Damon, John, and, and Tony Robbins. He's just a... I'm having the access to some of these brilliant minds, and I see a lot of the same things. And me and him had a great conversation on his show and man, makes me pumped because I saw his studio. This guy, his studio is so badass. The, the, the equipment, the, the cameras, the whole set, the, just the visual, beautiful. It's it, like so inspiring to me seeing what I'm doing and how I've grown this show. And it, makes, it gives me like a vision. I was like, man, that's what I want. Because I have the vision of having my own gym and podcast studio, everything I love, all in one big center. And, uh, and it will happen. So, it, and just to visually see that, it was so awesome. And so, hopefully, and I'll be letting you guys know when that's out to check that out and when that drops. So, there's, uh, there's a lot, of, there, there was, that was a fucking awesome conversation we had. So, a big thank you to Brad Lee for uh, having me on his show. And I think it's going to be leading to more and more opportunities, guys. Um, and, and as I'm feeling better and putting myself out there a little more now that my health is coming back and, uh, and just working on growing everything with the podcast and the business. So thank you guys, all of you, for your support. Those of you that have stuck with me from day one who didn't let the false articles or the negative hate and anything, you guys stuck with me, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I have the best fans in the world. You guys are tremendous. Um, if you like this show and anything, I ask you, you know, the Ryback TV on YouTube, uh, please subscribe, turn on notifications, and if you could share the show with one friend, guys, it greatly helps trying to really grow this thing. And I'm going to continue to do this no matter what, when I go back to wrestling, um, because this has helped me so much in my life as well. And it's something I thoroughly enjoy and in helping you guys learn. And, uh, I'm learning and growing as a human being doing all of this. So I thank you guys, you know, in the comments too, you guys on YouTube and you guys, there's no need, don't There's no need to leave negative comments. I think that is one thing I do want to touch on. For people, and I see it, and it, it just is so discouraging when you see that. And not to me, like I, but like, because a lot of them aren't even at me. If you guys don't like something, just move on. You don't, when you focus and put negative energy onto something, it only hurts yourself. 
<clears throat> you'll never see people who are succeeding do that. And there's a reason. It's because their mindset. And you're choosing to get upset and choosing to further fuel your anger. I'm telling you guys, you're doing nothing but hurting yourselves. So, and I, 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 I like to keep things in the comments on the content we're putting out, guys. Keep it classy. There's a way too to talk if you don't. If you don't like something, too, there is. There's a lot more respectful ways of going about things. How some of people do it, and uh, I'm telling you, you're hurting nothing but yourself doing it. So, and uh, people that if you act a certain way, we'll just block you off the thing. And it's not. It's just because you don't want that kind of content uh, being associated with what we're doing. And we've had to do it with a few people on there, and I have people helping me with this uh, as we continue to grow. So, just be good human beings, guys. And if you don't like something, just move on. Not going to like everything. There's billions of people. There's no way that that seven or eight billion people all agree on everything. It doesn't happen. So save your energy. Focus on what you like. Be happy. Life is a lot better, I promise you. With that, for all fan mail, guys, please send to P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. For personal videos, buy myself, cameo.com slash Ryback. All professional wrestling bookings, guys. Showbiz, Bill Barons, S-H-O-W-B-I-S at AOL.com or book the big guy at Yahoo.com. But I prefer you go through Bill Barons. We're getting more and more bookings. Uh, he's doing a lot more stuff for me here. And I'm actually uh, bringing on another agency uh, for conventions to do some other random signings and appearances as I continue to get better and to start traveling once again, start doing some fitness expos. We're going to be bringing somebody on uh, to start uh, associating all this. I had to get my health back first. I had to be very patient and focus on that and uh, survived. I've weathered the storm and uh, things are going to be fucking awesome. So I'm really excited. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book available on Amazon and paperback audible in Kindle formats. And follow me on social media, guys. I'm actually working right now on getting my Instagram and Twitter changed to just at Ryback. But right now I am at the big guy Ryback 22 on Instagram. Feed me more nutrition on Instagram. Please give that a follow. At Conversation with the Big Guy on Instagram. You guys, we have really cool content and facts that we're posting on these accounts. So if you can give those accounts a follow on social media, it greatly helps us out. Um, at Feed Me More Nutrition on Facebook. Ryback247 on Snapchat. Ryback22 on Twitter. But again, we're working on getting just at Ryback for my Twitter and Instagram handles because I believe there's a way we can get that done. And uh, we are working on doing that. But I will notify you when that is the case. As always, guys, thank you very, very much for listening. You've just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment, and